0: and welcome once again to Yorkshire Gamers, a big war games podcast. And it's been over a month since the last episode, and that uh, has been a combination of personal and work life just getting in the way. I've managed to get two episodes recorded, this one and... Uh, another one that i'm going to talk about at the end of this show so um there's going to be a release today and then another one in 10 days and then hopefully i shall be able to get back onto a normal schedule today's episode is all about naval wargaming and uh, if you don't do naval wargaming i hope you listen to the episode and uh, get some ideas maybe about uh, some of the potential opportunities within Naval Wargaming to uh, get yourself on a bit of blue cloth and uh, try a bit out. It's certainly uh, helpful that you don't need a lot of terrain. Uh, although some people, and I never get this, do naval games and then stick a load of terrain on it, but there we go. Uh, so we should be talking with David Manley um, very shortly about naval war game. And David has had loads of rules uh, published in the naval format and he works within uh, the naval uh, military uh, system as well, so lots of interesting things to talk about there. And he runs a uh, course at UCL in London uh, in relation to uh, modern naval warship design, which is really interesting stuff. When we get into that, we do start that conversation. Though we'll do our usual little bit of housekeeping, and I'd just like to say thank you to everyone who continues to download this podcast. Uh, it's been over a month, as I said, that since the last episode, but. You wouldn't realise by the number of stuff that's being downloaded uh, every single episode, people are listening to it, going through the old stuff. And wherever you've came into the Yorkshire Gamer journey, as the kids say today, uh, welcome. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for spending the time. Um, Whether you're painting, whatever you're doing, driving to work, it's great to have you on board with these conversations. And um, I hope that something... In these chats, in these podcasts, sparks an idea in you and keeps you enthusiastic about the hobby. Listening to other wargaming podcasts, it certainly does for me. I love it, listening to people talking about wargaming. It's, as my mate Sean Clark said, it's nerd radio, and uh, long may it continue. A bit of sad news, um, one of my friends, uh, David Parrott, sadly passed away on the 5th of August, and um, it was a bit of a surprise. He was my kind of wargaming alter ego, if you like. Uh, We met about 20 years ago when he came up to Leeds, and we hit it off straight away. We even had, would you believe, the same birthday, and we just played off against each other when it came to building big armies. I would do one side, he would do the other, and we would push each other on. In We did English Civil War. We did American War of Independence. Uh, we did lots of stuff um, side by side. So um, I've lost touch with Dave a little bit over the last couple of years just through a change in his personal circumstances. Uh, but it was still quite a shame and a big shock. We used to war game every week either at my house or at his house, with a group of people. And, um, you know, it's very sad that uh, we've lost him at, at such an early age. And uh, Dave, bless him, uh, left me all his wargaming stuff. Uh, so I went over to his house a couple or three weeks ago and picked up a load of books, a load of figures, a load of unpainted stuff, um, you know, a load of paints, etc. The sort of stuff that was wargamers leave behind and and Dave bless him left all of that to me in his will so I'm going to make good use of it. It sat on my living room floor for quite some time because I I didn't really know what to do with it and it was you know quite difficult to go through it but I managed to do it and uh, what I am going to do is I am going to ditch my Mentana game for the fiasco that will come out probably next year now. Uh, But what I am going to do is I'm going to put a big AWI game on at Fiasco. I'm going to do the Battle of Germantown uh, with Dave's Americans and with my British, and we're going to use British Grenadier, which was the rules that we played uh, together um, with our collections. So uh, look forward to that, and um, rest in peace, Dave. Uh, You are sadly missed, mate, sadly missed. So we move on. And uh, it's time for the for the interview and uh, sit back, get this in a cup of tea, um, couple of crumpets, bit of jam, jobs are good and listen to me and David Manley get all gooey eyed about naval wargaming. Without further ado, here's the interview. Well, hello and welcome once again to the interview section of the Yorkshire Gamer podcast and we're on episode 47 and today we're going to go all nautical on you. So it's time to splice the main brace, trim the mainsail and load the starboard torpedoes. Or is that Star Trek? I can't remember. Anyway, so today's guest lives and breathes Naval Wargaming from his day job to his hobby. He likes to get his feet wet. So from the prestigious role as a professor of Naval Architecture to designing his own replica ships from Wargaming to and to making the rules that we use to play those games. My guest is never far away from naval wargaming or the forums. Now, regular followers of Yorkshire Gamer will know that I love a bit of naval, so my guest is a perfect uh, choice to discuss that sometimes neglected part of the hobby. Hopefully, at the end of the show, you'll be reaching for the glue and blue and grey paint and stealing your nan's blue curtains to put over the table so that you can have a, a bit of navel yourself so let's welcome my latest guest onto the podcast and give a big warm welcome to david manley hello david Hello, Ken, and uh, thanks for inviting me, and I'm very pleased to be here. Excellent. Well, we, um, we, we've we we sort of seen each other on naval forums for many, many years, and uh, we're big fans, obviously, of naval wargaming, so I think we both want to increase the profile wherever we can. Absolutely,
1: yes. Yes, I've always thought it's one of those areas that, you know, particularly for an island nation, you know, um, naval wargaming is not quite as uh, prevalent as it should be, but uh, yeah, let's see what we can do.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I live right in the middle of the country. uh, So it's kind of 50 or 60 miles one way to the coast or the other. But I'm still not far away from the sea compared to living in Iowa or, you know, middle of Montana or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sometimes get, get the feeling that there's more naval war gamers in like the flyover states in the US than there are in, in, in the UK. But maybe that's just a question of size. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, well, we'll we'll soon get them converted at the end of this podcast, mate. Absolutely. We definitely will. Uh, so, have you ever been a guest on a podcast before? Uh, I have not. No, this is my first time. Oh, well, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, welcome, welcome on board, as we say. Um, now, the first thing that we do with all our guests is um, a thing that I call the four-minute challenge, and uh, that's just for you to attempt to summarize your wargaming history in four minutes. We're going to talk about all the different aspects of it during the course of the show. So um, if you don't get anything in, don't worry. We will get it in later on. Um, But it's a nice little summary for our guests. And also, it gives you a chance to get loosened up a bit and uh, to get chatting. So um, I'm just um, looking for the clock on my... um, I should have prepared this, shouldn't
1: I? Uh, Do do I get a countdown
0: timer? Yes, you do. There used to be one. which had the countdown music from uh, Countdown, the Channel Four That's TV fantastic. program, um, and then at the end of it, um, it would do the dilly do dilly do, yeah. and then it would it would come in and Inspector Regan from the Sweeney would tell you to shut up. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, uh, my new uh, and latest um, kit doesn't allow that to play while we're talking, so okay. we have to go back to the old. Um, time excellent so well, i'll um, just imagine
1: there's, there's a carol vorderman here or yeah
0: whatever no worries well uh, in your own time david starting now okay um
1: right so um i've been war gaming since i was probably around about sort of five or six years old uh my brother is responsible uh for that he kicked off uh, my interest in the hobby with his um, very large collection of um mainly napoleonics he, he did a lot of um airfix napoleonics in 20 mil mm. um and so infected me with with this this horrendous bug uh called war gaming <laughs> um pretty soon got into into naval uh because our father was he was in the in the navy during the war um start off on battleships and worked his way down to minesweepers and all sorts of things so um so yeah naval was one of those things i was always going to get into um, uh, and again, my brother had a nice collection of 1200th, um, you know, the old air fix one ships. So I inherited those, um, Andrew moved on to model railways. He, he went onto the, like the sensible side of the, of the modeling hobby. Yeah. Um, building sort of big, fantastic layouts and things. I carried on with the wargaming. inherited all of this stuff. Uh, I was quite lucky that the, the school that I went to had a very active war games club encouraged by the history teachers there they thought it was it was great that we were um yeah. we, had, we were doing a lot of research into you know whatever it was that we we were playing as well as role playing games and stuff like that because i used to be a big um traveler role playing game player as well yeah um oh, yeah, but big big game that. big games at school you know we do during the holidays we take over the history classrooms for like four or five days or so we put on massive games oh, wow. you know, like um like um iran iraq games with like about a thousand vehicles on the table and massive napoleonics and like big air combat games all sorts of things and big naval games as well Mm -hmm. um so that was school um moved on to university and just did a lot of mainly board war gaming i suppose at that point my miniatures gaming died out and i sold off most of my stuff to my in my, my regret um but only lasted about two years i'm um, going to because there was a, a, a good club in southampton that met sort of out in the suburbs and uh, ai got back into I miniatures mean, war gaming then and then very heavily into naval so um that's where my my love of coastal forces wargaming started you know and that, that was really niche back in sort of the you know the, the late 80s early 90s um but yeah i just started amassing enormous fleets of just about anything that floated <laughs> um and have continued ever since started writing my own rules when i got to the point of, of thinking yeah I mean, the rules that are out there are, are good fine but don't quite you know scratch the itch that i've got for a particular subjects and things so i started writing my own which ended up uh publishing my own in, in the end yeah and then sort of more recently i've um started well, actually, when well, I say so recently, probably about 10 years or so, um, sort of wargaming, sort of more professionally. So we use wargaming at the university because um, you, you, you touched on, you know, professor of naval architecture. Well, I, I train the um, young naval architects for the MOD and other navies and governments and places like that. Um, and we use wargaming as a, a teaching aid. Um, so a lot of them don't know how. Fleets work. How you know wh- why warships do what they do? Um, so we teach them through wargaming, and then we use wargaming as a um, a design aid. <clears throat> they go through a ship design exercise, and then we 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 use wargaming so they can they can learn how their ships work, and you know mm. how many missiles do I need, and how survivable do I need it to be? So that's been quite a large part of my wargaming life for like the last ten years or so. And um, yeah, you know, I really can't read that. Ooh. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll shut up then. And I'll talk about <laughs> the rest of it later. Yes, you'll hear more about 3D. 3D printing will come later.
0: No worries. Well, thank you very much for that, David. What a, what a fantastic introduction. And we've got a, a little bit of an idea there about, about you as a wargamer, and we're going to delve into uh, that during the course of the rest of the show. Um, and you mentioned at the start there about your your father serving in World War II in the Navy. And... Um, Quite a few people who have had on the show have had relatives and, and parents who, who served in the war. So if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about your dad's service.
1: So he was an electrician. Mm. Um, he joined up when he was quite young and started off on battleships. He, he had this, this interesting um, career where he started on big ships and worked his way down to small stuff. <laughs>
0: and, Not disciplinary, um, I hope. <laughs> no, no. It,
1: it, it, ex- expertise. I mean, being an electrician, the yeah. place he ended up. You know, right at the end of the war, just before the invasion of Japan, was on minesweepers. Um, oh, right, yeah. Because of their, um, you know, a magnetic sweep gear, they were, they were very heavily electrically orientated. So, so that was um, that was where he ended up. But he, I say, he went out to the Far East on, on one of the battleships, and he was on Formidable when it was hit by a, a kamikaze plane um and not that he knew anything about it he said the most remarkable thing you know he was he was on watch you know deep down in the bowels of the ship came off watch um and, and all his mates in the mess were saying wow that was that was really quite exciting wasn't it he's like what was he thought, we got hit by onikaze and you know this thing <laughs> bounced over the side and they that was you know they're one of those um you know sweepers manual brooms things as they just yeah. like brush the debris and then carried on flying yeah so i mean he never really talked very much about his time in the war. I mean, i read a lot of his little notebooks and seen his photographs of his, you know, his trip out to the Far East and that. We never really talked about it, but I always got the feeling that, you know, when when I started, you know, pushing model battleships and things around on the on the floor, because um, all my my original wargaming was, you know, done on the lounge floor. Yeah, of course. Um, especially with ships and things. Yeah, yeah I thought. Yeah, I think hope, hopefully he's he's kind of approving of that. So. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, it's quite interesting you say that. Um, the you know how parts of a ship are on might be unaware of quite spectacular events going on elsewhere within within a ship purely i'm um, certainly at that size formidable of a of a of a seagoing vessel it's a long way from one end to the other and a long way from the top to the bottom It it is and and you find that even with small ships
1: um you know i, I i've spent a certain amount of time at sea and you know you 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 can be completely unaware of what's happening <laughs> and, and, unless somebody actually bothers to tell you, you know, if someone comes on main broadcast and says, "You know, to hear they were about to do X, Y, and Z," you can do. Yeah, you can do all sorts of things. You, you, you know, you, you turn up in in interesting parts of the world which you didn't know you were going to.
0: Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I, I'm slightly diverting here, but it's an interesting um, when you talk about morale in in naval wargaming. It's an interesting um, thing to, to think about about how long it takes for bad news good news mm. action to get all the way through the ship to affect the operation yes. of
1: it absolutely and even when you think about things like you know the order to abandon ship if the ship's going down yeah you know, that that takes time um and doesn't always get through to everybody that needs to hear it or maybe people you know there have been cases where you know um, people have thought well the ship's obviously a goner i'm going to get off and they will will start to abandon where the captain's like no come on we're still going we're still afloat here
0: (laughs) yeah yeah, it's it's
1: it's very easy to get very confused
0: yeah i can i can imagine i can just imagine somebody a couple of guys stood in uh in one of the corridors having a chat about something and then somebody runs past where are you going i'm abandoning ship don't you know? Where am I going? I'm going off. <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's lovely to hear. Uh looking at your stuff on um that you post on, on social media, you, mm. you 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 seem to have a very wide spread of interest in naval wargaming. Um is is there any particular periods that you zone in on, or is it a widespread of,
1: of history? My, my interests are basically anything from well, I haven't quite done you know people in dugout canoes right um, yeah but i've got pretty close to it and I, in fact we did scope out a game for um people fighting battles in dugout canoes many years ago uh but yeah so any anything from you know ancient galleys right the way through to um modern naval although i try and i try and avoid stuff that's too up to date just in case any of the stuff from my my real my real life cross-pollinates into ah yeah yeah so i tend to <laughs> I tend to stop around about 1990-ish or so. Right. Stuff I'm doing for work. Um, but I guess, and, and, and my, my, my interest, you know, I'm, I'm very much of a butterfly. You know, I'll, I'll mm. flip from, from period to period. So, uh, and then back again. Uh, and I do it far too often and I never finish stuff. <laughs> um, I think that's person. quite common among indeed. I was gamers. thinking of a pretty average war gamer that way. Um, <laughs> but I guess at the at the moment, my my big interests are so my American Civil War and sort of you know, mid to late nineteenth century ironclad type stuff. So I'm doing a lot of a lot of that at the moment. Um, Coastal forces, you know, I say I've been, you know, sort of mad keen on coastal forces wargaming since since the early nineties, um, and that that really is one of my loves. Just you know, the the whole sort of you know Spitfires of the sea kind of thing, as boats and, and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if if you came to talk to me in six months' time, it would be, oh um, yes, no, I'm. I'm, I'm I'm really into, <laughs> you know, um, Elizabethans, or I've got back into Ancients or oh, those Renaissance galleys are really interesting, you know, and whatever. So yeah, I, I flip all over the place.
0: So I've seen, I saw, I saw recently you put on an ACW game. Um, we'll talk a little bit later on about the International uh, Naval War Games Day, um, but you put a, a Battle of Trent's Reach on ACW game. I did um, yes. for, for that, um, and, and was that all your you know your rules, your figures, your everything. It it was
1: um, so the models for a start. So it was it was at the local um, IPMS show in Thornbury. So you know Plastic Model Society, but they um, with the Lincoln Barn War Game Society, they've started. Um, well, in fact, the last must be about seven or eight years or so um, having War Gamers along as well. Which is which oh, that's is interesting. Really, oh, that's it interesting. is. It, it it's great. You know with these um, you know these these lovely old uh, old, old old you know. Um, ladies and gentlemen who are you know, really into their fine scale mm. modeling and they, and they, they actually do take real interest, you know, say, Oh, you can actually do something more with these things yeah. rather sort of, than just put them on a display table.
0: That's a, That's a great way to expand the hobby, isn't it? And- it is. And I've
1: had quite a few of them come in to have a chat about things.
0: Oh, fantastic. Um,
1: Yeah, so the Trent's Reach game. Um, So uh, American Civil War naval aficionados will will know it well. But um, towards the end of the war on the James River, uh, it's like a a, a failed Confederate attempt to attack um, General Grant's supply lines with his his, his supply ships at city point uh and it's a a, it's a slugfest between you know confederate ironclads and and a one union ironclad which is just like the death star Mm -hmm. (laughs) in 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 the game that we played you know it it was it was dubbed the death star because it would just like shoot stuff up quite and then a whole load of other you know sort of small torpedo craft and gunboats and all sorts of things so it's a really interesting mix of ships and uh, and yes I, i i made Three uh, d model files for all of the all of the ships that were involved and printed them all out and the gun batteries and then the the rules that I used i've i've written probably at least four sets of American civil war <laughs> yeah uh, and they're all they all have different you know a, a, a different focus um, so this particular set that I was using uh, was actually based on the old games workshop man of war oh right yes think, yeah. years ago, which actually i've forgotten i've got rather a lot of uh, man of war stuff (laughs) kicking away but it's 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 a really fun little system and you you can you can pick it up very very quickly um and there's just some really nice things about it uh you know these sort of ship cards that you're crossing off damage and all this kind of stuff so i I played you know man of war quite a lot um we actually did a, a a a, uh, a pirate version an wow. version for the wow. um, naval war game society a few years ago that we took around to a few shows using those um you know this lovely peter pig um, model model ships um and then i guess the next thing was well I'll, I'll move on to um you know an, an american civil war version which, which actually i wrote when i was sitting on the bridge of hms belfast when i was doing a sleepover so oh you know, very good <laughs> if, if that's not completely anchor-faced i don't know what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah so it's 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 just a very very quick uh simple set of rules um and you, you can well if we hadn't been spending most of our time chatting you could play through the game in about an hour or so which is kind yeah. of my my target for um games at shows
0: and um i always say I, I always kind of see the the acw is kind of like a wacky races of um of war gaming because everything seems to be different and not quite you kind of look at the design and go hang on a minute have you been to the pub
1: yeah no i think you're right (laughs) yes i mean you've got you know some big class ships you know some of those some of those union monitors i mean the 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 union i mean you know great fantastic they're the good guys clearly but um you know a little bit boring a little bit stayed you know it's, it's it's a big black raft with a turret on it um, but then you get into some of the the gunboats and some of the Confederate ironclads, and actually some of the some of the ships that weren't built as well. Um, the, there's there's quite a lot of inf- information out there on you know ships that were started and then scrapped or whatever. But there's um this it never ceases to amaze me just how weird some of the ships were. Yeah, I, I I picked up we we did a, a an NWS holiday over to um to the states many many years ago. Uh, and ended up at, um, I think it was the Confederate Naval Museum in New Orleans, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a lovely collection of models, and then a book that's that's called, um, entitled "If It Floats, Put a Cannon on It," which I think, is, <laughs> you know, sums like the American Civil War know quite nicely. Is <laughs> you can make all these, you know, l- l- lovely, lovely steamboats and cargo boats and things, and then and then you, you literally do just like plonk a big gun on the front of it or whatever.
0: considering your day job are are you looking at these and going fail fail (laughs) fail um
1: yes maybe (laughs) yeah there's a few where you look at them and go i really wouldn't want to take that out on anything other than a mill pond yeah um or you know and quite a lot of them just what were they thinking yeah. Do, but hey you can do that about modern ships as well you know I'm n- naming no names but we, we we do like to look at um, you know interesting new designs that are coming out from shipyards around the world and going oh my god what have they
0: <laughs> and do you do you, I mean for me you've kind of got your your human power era with the oars then you've got your age of sail and then we move into steam and and oil and, and nuclear we, we're do you prefer one of those genres? Are you, are you into the once we're not wor- too worried about the sales? Because I know a lot of people when they try and uh, Age of Sail war game struggle with the concept of how wind and movement works. Um. So where I, I where do you sit that. in the timeline?
1: I I I have no preference. I love it all.
0: Yeah. Excellent. excellent. Um.
1: Age of Sail games great. The bigger the better. Yeah. Um. Yeah, my my twelve hundredth collection needs a bit of sprucing up, but you know we've done, you know Trafalgar and, and the Saints and Glorious First Dune and stuff like that with with awesome, with with those, uh, and and actually uh, like a lot of you know small scale you know cutting out operations and just just frigate battles, which I think are really good fun. Um, I was on the um, uh, the playtest and development team for Sales of Glory. Oh, right, yes. Years and years ago. So, um, I, you know, that, that's always a, a, a favourite. Um, and I, actually, we run a... So there's an organisation, the Wings of Glory Aerodrome.
0: Oh, right.
1: It's uh, Wings of Glory, because I love playing Wings of Glory as well. Um, and and the Aerodrome does a, a, a wargaming weekend up at the Air Museum at Doncaster, um, which I go to. Uh, and I always end up playing Cells of Glory. So there <laughs> I'm in the Air Museum. <laughs> there's loads of airplanes and things around playing driving sailing ships around
0: nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that um i was going to say um you obviously we're going to talk about naval war gaming in general but you've mentioned other things outside of that um, realm uh, during the course of this are you into other areas of gaming that you play quite a bit of i yes i am so
1: uh air, air war gaming i've done quite a bit of that um had a couple of sets of rules published for that as well um, some of which have done okay and some of which haven't um but yeah i mean I, I love you know playing wings of glory it's a really good fun game um it's a genius system and really 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 good fun i, I started off with land war gaming i say you know napoleonics so or i don't have any of my 20 my 20 mil stuff but i've got some pretty big six mil armies now, which occasionally yeah. uh, head out to the table, and the same thing with um, American Civil War. So we used to play an awful lot of Fire and Fury in six mil. Um, so that that, that sometimes oh, right, yeah. that sometimes comes out. Uh, I guess my current thing, which isn't um, naval, well, a couple of things. So I, I, I'm, I'm working on a collection of um, Eastern Front, uh, fifteen mil World War Two stuff, um, but all focused on um, you know battles in the winter, so everything is whitewashed, and oh, you know my, nice. my, my table is you know um, a, a white sheet and not a green sheet, and buildings with snow on and stuff like that. Uh, so there's that, and um, I've I, I just dabble in a bit of AK forty seven, you know classic AK forty seven. Yeah, classic game. Yeah. Um, haven't played much. Recently, but i still having this flipping three D printer that just like diverts me off <laughs> onto all sorts of things. Uh, I mean, <laughs> at the moment, on, on, on my on my painting table, there are some, um, you know, um, farm tractors and, a, and a, a, a you know civilian recovery truck or something, which is all going to go into my AK forty seven collection. Brilliant, just because yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah.
0: Do you have a Do you have a setup at home for gaming? Yes.
1: So. <laughs> Um, i've got a, a a thing that i i call the log cabin um so we we live in this little small holding out in gloucestershire and we we, we had a barn built when we moved into this place um, and along with that we've got a um but they call it a home office because the barn came down in kit form and they brought this home office down as well because my wife wanted me out the house and not (laughs) clucking so um so yes i've got this um this home office and i've got a war games table set up on that and bookcases and stuff all around it um but uh at the moment that table is just completely chockered with painting projects and things so i need to get some of those finished get the stuff off and then i can get back to you know playing some games yeah I think I
0: mean I'm I'm sat in my wargames room now and my table is just full of half painted stuff projects piles of stuff that are rules and we are we are dreadful as wargamers aren't we if we if there's a if there's a flat space anywhere oh yes we will we will fill it with some form of wargames yes <laughs> yes
1: so so, so my, my my flat table is i I say it's it's 85% covered in in ships and bits of ships and and usually 15% covered in cat my, my cats oh, right. like to sleep yeah. out there as well, <laughs> but most of whom are quite quite polite and gentle with everything. And, and but my daughter's cat, who just like runs in and just smashes everything, so he usually gets caught and thrown out before he does too much damage.
0: <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Do you do? Do you go to a club at all? Yes,
1: although COVID has like really put pay to that recently. So there's a little group called the Barclay Vale um, War Games Club. Um, a a, a lovely collection of um, um, sort of middle-aged and slightly aged uh, gentlemen, including <laughs> myself. Um, we we were lucky enough to meet at a pub in in Slimbridge, just down the road, um, uh, in the Tudor Arms, in their skittle alley, which they let us have for free. You know, as long as we turned nice. up and, and you know drank lots of beer and had you know lots of meals and things, they were happy for us to have it for nothing. Um, unfortunately, you know, COVID, you know, everybody's still a bit wary about um getting together so we haven't actually met for well for ages now um but there's a new a new club that starts up in dursley so it's not all that far away from here Um, which is mainly warhammer and stuff like that but i'm hoping to get along there at some point and um, introduce them to the true ways of historical wargaming
0: exactly exactly perfect perfect thing to do so in the introduction and you mentioned this earlier on is your day job and obviously um only talk about the bit she's supposed to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so um it, how 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 have you got to that position then what have you what's your sort of career path to become a uh, professor of naval architecture?
1: Briefly because it could be a very round, I've got I've got a 45 minute presentation on how I got to my my career so I won't do that. So
0: yeah, wow. I
1: have No, because no. I, I I get pulled <laughs> into a lot of um uh, you know, t- talks to young engineers and people who, you know, might be thinking of going into oh, engineering and stuff like that. And I try and enthuse them with yeah. you know, the story of my life, which includes blowing stuff up and sinking things, which always makes them very excited. That
2: yeah, um,
0: That's excited.
2: Yeah.
1: But so, so when I was young, I wanted to join the Navy, you know, do what dad did go to sea. Um, unfortunately my eyesight was, he's not great. Um, and back in the eighties, you know, if you wanted to stand watch on a on a warship, you had to have really good eyesight. Um, so the careers chappy comes along and says, "Well, you could you could be a short base trainer, or you could be a supply officer, but you're never going to be warfare or anything." So it's like, mm. I was very angry, very. Angry <laughs> at that. Um, but my biology teacher of all people, um, who was also my tutor at school, said, um, "Well, if, if you can't if you can't sail them around, why don't you design them?" Uh, and one of exactly. his friends at university uh, had set up his own company and said, I'll have a chat with him uh, and see what you can do. And and this guy phoned me up one summer and just spent three hours on the phone talking to wow. me about all this fantastic stuff that he did. Wow. Which is, and this is all civilian stuff, but he said, you know, you'd have just as so much fun doing naval. So I went to university, did um, ship science at Southampton. Uh, It's naval architecture by any other name, but they just call it ship science because they're different. (laughs) And and then went straight into the mod uh, and did a variety of uh, of jobs, Um, all sort of naval architecture based. So you know, looking after frigates, um, submarines. Did a a few years as a submarine naval architect, Uh, and then I went into um, into survivability, which is all about designing ships and their systems, so the resistance to damage. You know the we, we love our americanisms you know the ship one you'll know, take a licking but keeps on ticking and all that kind of stuff <laughs> um which is a thankless cast, cast because nobody wants to do it because it's expensive and you know oh, whatever so we we you know we, we sit there like like jiminy cricket on their shoulders and go you, you really want to do that you might there might be better ways of doing things and and yeah so spending 20 years becoming like an international expert in that you know i i, 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 I you know, became the UK expert on vulnerability reduction, in particular, you know, fairly, you know, fairly quickly on, and you know, that's that's you know, translated out into like an international thing now. So, so I get called on by our international partners when there's interesting stuff that they want we want to talk about. Um, but then they also realised that I was a bit of a people person for some reason. I'm not quite sure why. But just <laughs> Like, hey, he re- he's really he's really down and with it with the kids, isn't he? By which down with mean. the kids, indeed. Yes, like I could actually talk to some of the young engineers and understand a bit about what they were thinking and feeling and that. So, so when this um, this post of you know professor of naval architecture came up at UCL, they said, "Ah, David, congratulations! You've won an all expenses paid trip to London for the next few years." Um, <laughs> I'd like to be a professor. I went, well, okay. Might as well. Um, yeah. So here we go. That's that's how I am where I am, where I am now.
0: That's fantastic. And um, you mentioned using wargaming in the parts of the course, and this is this is quite an interesting concept for me, um, and and for listeners to the podcast. I've had a couple of other people who, who on before who've used wargaming for like management development and management skills and those sorts of things. So. Yeah. Um, how did it come about that Wargaming came into the curriculum and, and, and how do you use it to help your students?
1: So so the first thing I must do is credit Dr Nick Bradbeer, who's my deputy up at UCL. Nick's actually done you know a lot of the development on this uh, and has generated some really, really good games that we use. But it, it came about because we were seeing students coming up, making some really, really bizarre design choices because they didn't know anything. <laughs> You know, we, we give them a set yeah. of requirements. They they do a ship design exercise. We we, we give them a, a requirement for a ship and a budget, and then they have to go and design a ship to it. And uh, you know, their requirements will probably include some survivability requirements. So you you have got to survive uh, an attack from you know four supersonic sea skimming missiles or something. And they'll mm. go, oh, well, that that needs I mean that means I need four missiles of my own to to shoot at them. You go, no, you probably need around <laughs> about forty. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, and say, so, as you know, as engineers, they're really good, but you know their, their domain knowledge of you know how how modern navies work and, and that is, is not great. You know, we tr- we 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 give them lectures. They have lectures in the subject, but we found you know a, a really good way of reinforcing what what we were telling them was actually putting them in in a, in a war game situation. Um, firstly, as a like a sort of a training and awareness thing, so we we, give, we run through an exercise where they. Um, they we have red force and blue force, and then they they have some fairly standard ships, uh, and they sail around and they fight a battle, and you know one side wins, one side loses, and then we say, right, what would you do? You know, you, you you know why why you lost your ship? What would you do to improve them? And they come up with with various ideas, like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'd like to swap out those subsonic missiles for supersonic ones, or I'd like more missiles, or I'd like you know blast resistant bulkheads in the ship so I can soak up more damage. And then we we make those changes to their, their their ships in the game, and then we fight through again, and they can see mm. how those how those changes have have, have made a difference, or with, indeed if, whether they do or not. So that's the awareness bit. Um, and then in the in the ship design, you know, we we will run bespoke war games depending on what the what the subject is of, the, of their design. Uh, so usually it's a lot of stuff about sort of missile engagement. You know, how, how many Missiles? Do I need to defeat that threat, or um, you know, if I've got to, um, you know, engage, you know, a, a carrier battle group of, of of another nation which is defended with these ships, how many of my own missiles do I need to get through their defences and that kind of thing? And and sometimes some really interesting and unusual things. So, um, one of my designs, one of our design subjects this year was a seabed operations ship. Oh, right, yeah. So um, seabed security and undersea cables and. Pipelines and things. Um, and I had a, a team of three yeah, uh, naval officers from overseas, yeah, and the conversation went along the lines of So, guys, what do you understand about seabed warfare? And they're like, Nothing, prof. We know nothing about it at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, we're going to explore it through the medium of, of wargaming. Uh, and so, we put together a bespoke game uh, f- for them that, that covered the subject. Yes, it, the, the, the feedback we're getting is it seems to work. Um, you know, we, 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 we're sending out, you know, students who. Now have a much better awareness of you know, um, the environment that they're that they're working in and the, the mm. their ships are working in
0: yeah it's always seemed to me to be an extremely good tool for education um, as in in many aspects you've you've got the the interpersonnel skills that you develop as well as the technical skills that you develop and the yes. ability to negotiate within a team which is the best absolutely um a way of designing something has there been a reluctance with it being seen as a game or because they've got no sort of prior knowledge do they not have that package that they bring or baggage that they bring with them
1: not within the students um i mean we get a bit Mm. of like what's this all about kind of thing they're a bit uncertain but a lot of them you know have, have you know come to university having played you know, computer games, computer war games or, or board games and things. Yeah. So, so most of them take to it very quickly we, we, we do, we, we, when you get into the, like the wider realms of professional war gaming, you know, is, um, you, especially with like more senior people, you do get a, a feeling of, mm. um, no, this is just a game. In fact, we, we, one of the things that we've been doing, we've been spinning out our, um, games at the university into, into, you know, a- actual, you know, into the real world. So we did we did a game um, recently, so it was involving NATO, uh, and it was all about anti submarine warfare. And 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 one of the um, uh, it was an, an anti submarine warfare expert from a particular nation turned up, and he was very anti the whole thing. Like, well, I, mm. you know, this, it's just a game, isn't it? I don't see how you can you can simulate this in a game. You know, this is all a complete waste of time. And seven hours later, he's like, "This is fantastic." He showed all the <laughs> really important things like, like I was hoping it was going to bring out. I, I, no, we should be doing this, you know. And now we're looking at, you know, flowing this out into even more places. So yeah, I, 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 it, yes, you do get a lot of a, a lot of resistance for in in some quarters, but but I'm hoping that you know, as long as the game that you present to them and, and that even better if you actually get them playing it, 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 it wins them over.
0: Yeah. Well, George Nafsiger who was, um, an American writer, um, had done a lot of work with the American uh, army, uh, on their sort of war gaming system, if you like. Uh, and, and he was saying, how, you know, the, uh, it's, you can't practice the real thing without the real thing. So yes. sometimes you have to do a game in inverted yeah. commas a simulation if you prefer to Absolutely. get that level of experience and and that level of quick decision making that would be required if heaven forbid it all went wrong yes
1: indeed um yeah we i mean we we, we find it really useful in um co- concept development you know people have got a good idea about you know how, how we might p- tackle a particular problem and you you can you can do a box sat, you know a bunch of guys sitting around a table you know talking about you know how this thing might work, uh, but there's no real substitute for trying it. You know, and yeah. you can either spend like like ten million pounds building a prototype or something, or you can think <laughs> yeah. about how does that translate into a game, and then let's let's sit down and play it. And we we've come up with some you know some really really valuable insights into into real world situations, despite just by, just by doing that.
0: Hmm. And is there a a kind of a universal set of rules that are involved, or are they developed for each particular? scenario if you like
1: no no there's well i i, I guess if you if, if you go to the us they've got various you know a, a few sets that the you know some of the warfare centers use um and in the uk there's there are a few a few um dstl so the defense science and technology laboratory has um a game called rcat the rapid campaign analysis tool which actually we use um on the royal marine staff course i, I teach oh. on the royal marine staff course so they they go to the falklands these young majors and captains and they, they go to the Falklands walk the battlefields and then they come back to the UK and then, and then they fight through the campaign as a war game. And then, oh, right. and then at the end of it, they, um, they, they, the, the VIPs arrive, So we get, um, Commodore Mike Clapp and, um, Brigadier Julian Thompson come along. Uh, and, and the youngsters brief brief the, the seniors on how, how their war game went and then ask them for, you know, sirs, what happened when you were in this situation? And you get some absolutely fantastic feedback from, from the seniors.
0: Wow, that would be an amazing conversation to hear.
1: There's, there's a, a few standard sets, but 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 usually, yeah, it's that they're, they're kind of bespoke. Or you'll, you'll take something that worked last time and then, you know, work, work on it a bit. For the for the student games that we run, um, Nick's developed this game called ABF. So A Balanced Fleet is the title. Um you know, bonus points if anybody can find where the quote came from. Um but um, but yeah that so so that's a, a, a standard that's a standard set that we use. Um it's been you know developed over over the last eight eight years or so and, and we're still tweaking it. So the anti submarine warfare module we only just finished well, Nick, only put that together for this NATO game, but now we've flown that out to the to the students. So, so we'll, we'll create these bespoke modules where we need to, but the core rules, you know, have been pretty much there for, for, for some time now.
0: Mm, well, that's fantastic, and thank you very much for um, detailing that for us. Lovely to see wargaming used in, in other fields. Um, I think it. I think it also flips the other way. I think wargaming outside of professional uh, areas develop skills that can be used in professions and you know all the all the times all the negotiations and all the skills and the maths that i've used in wargaming have helped me subsequently in life
1: well it's interesting one of the things that we do right at the end of the course or the end of the ship design we run a thing called tactics night and we bring all the student designs together and we put them in a task group and then they go and fight a campaign Um, but that campaign is set against some some background you know they're, they're not just going out to you know find the find the bad guys and shoot them there you know, th- there's a particular mission and then we try and get a bit of role playing involved in that as well so oh, for instance uh a few years ago the campaign was set against a um humanitarian relief operation so there was a you know been an earthquake and a pandemic had broken out in this um island state so the the students designs were going off to you know help Help the locals, whilst also fighting the evil revolutionaries who just happened to have, you know, some some ex Royal Navy frigates that they were they were driving around. Nice. Um yeah. And and then they had to get into into this whole question of ne- negotiating with the, uh, you know, sort of the local authorities to get get permission to bring their uh, the, their ships in, and then negotiating with like uh, other government organisations, you know, to to land stores and medical supplies. And we actually had somebody who was, you know, had done exactly that. Wow. um in, in Africa a few years before you know and, and she she was there you know as the like the local expert but yeah they they got into a lot of role-player negotiations and discovered that some of them weren't quite as good at negotiating as they hoped they were <laughs> hilarity ensued
0: oh fantastic absolutely fantastic I'm sort of idea um the final part of this first section is something we call the venn diagram of wargaming um and um just to get a, a view of from each of my guests on how they sit in this particular um, set of um, sets, if you like. Remember them from school, David, with the oh, yes. overlapping areas? Oh, yes, yes. Excellent. You can't beat a good um, Venn diagram. Oh, exactly. So the four I've chosen are Wargamer, Painter, Collector, and Historian. So yes. how do you find those four fitting together for yourself? I,
1: I would I would say slap bang in the Middle. Oh, So... Um, yes, no, I, 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 cover all those bases. I, I have to do a lot of historical research for, you know, to be able to write, write the rules that I do, um, especially mm. as I seem to have a thing about, um, finding the most outlandish and obscure <laughs> subjects,
2: <for games. laughs> and there's, there's not that
1: many people who game the cod war
0: no or the, um, no.
1: or the war of the triple alliance on the, on the rivers of, of Paraguay and that kind of thing yeah. painting. I probably spend more time painting these days than doing a lot of other things um, mainly mm. because i paint i print far too much stuff with this bloody 3d printer and which i then have to paint which gets <laughs> busy. um so what was that that was historian yep. what were the other two so historian wargamer
0: wargamer wargamer painter collector yeah. was the next one
1: yeah collector oh uh, well, yes but if if you looked in my in, in my log campaign you would see that i'm a i, I don't think collector is the right word i think hoarder is 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 the right word? There's just my boxes and <laughs> boxes <unboxes laughs> of stuff, mostly shit. Um, books as well. My 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 library. In fact, my library collapsed on me the other day. Um, I, I hadn't been particularly oh good my God. securing some of the bookcases to the wall as I as I should have been. And um, ne- next thing I knew, you know, a, like a copy of Jane's hit me on the head, and. Uh, top of me off my, my painting <sighs> table and as, as all the rest of the books like flew all over the place. So um, so yes far too many books which I have collected or hoarded. Uh, and what's the last one?
0: Uh Wargamer I think uh, is Wargamer. the one that we haven't done. Yeah
1: I, I, I think I'm pretty busy on the wargaming front. So mm-hmm. so yes. Yes. Um, Venn diagram wise I would I think I would be slap bang in the middle of that.
0: Mm. Do you think I mean we'll talk quite a lot of detail about naval wargaming later on but the collector thing mm. I think is particularly bad so bad let's put bad in inverted commas um so for for naval wargamers because all the naval wargamers I know will go oh there was um 11 tribal class destroyers i've got to have all of them oh <laughs> okay 9h class i need all of
2: those
1: yeah so i'm not quite that bad you okay. Know, I I do know an American war gamer who has got all 175 Fletcher class destroyers wow. in 1200s wow. and quite why he's done that I don't know. Um. So I, I I'll I'll collect what I need. You know if I'm doing a right. if if I'm going to play a campaign, you know I'll 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 research what you know the ships that an aircraft that were involved in that and then I'll get those. Um. Or yeah just maybe a few others i i I don't get massively over excited about having to have every county class cruiser um though thinking about it in my 300th collection i probably have got every county class cruiser because they're all different there's a little variations and things um and 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 just just at the moment uh so my my 3d printer is is printing as, as we speak um seven danish um coastal defence monitors from the eighteen seventies. Oh wow. That I, that I created the model of last week. You know, I don't yeah, need they're... seven. But there were seven. <laughs> and I can fit all seven of them on the build plate of the printer. So I'm gonna damn it, I'm gonna have seven.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's a it's a sub-disease that most naval war gamers have that if there yeah. are X number in the class, the chances of you getting x are quite high i would suggest yeah
1: now now that you mentioned it yes you're probably quite right.
0: <laughs> um, uh, i'm guilty of it i'm guilty of <laughs> it so i i can't say anything i do it all the time even even with the 1 700 stuff i'm doing at the moment um oh well i've got that many tribals i may as well get Well, yes, yes, and and
1: (laughs) I've noticed how well those those are going. So there's some spectacular models that you're you're working up there, and I look forward to your 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 massive fleets appearing on Facebook in the future.
0: Yes, well, thank you. Um, You did a one seven hundred scale Norwegian um shipped for me for Narvik, oh, yes. which unfortunately yes. i've not had a chance to get printed yet because i've been so busy at work i've not been to the club to get my mate to do it um but thank you very much for that and um i should be getting one done and painted for you as a result so yes Narvik. yes what a display game that's going to be it's going to uh, be bloody massive fantastic.
1: yes it will <laughs> You'll need. To- you need many, many large tables to do it, but uh, <laughs> but, but yes, I mean the, the place is spectacular. We we had, we had a, a NATO meeting up in um, in, in Narvik oh, wow. a few years ago, and uh, oh my gosh, the you know the, the scenery is just awesome. So so yes, it'll be it'll be fantastic to see see how your game turns out. You'll have to let me know where it is. I'll come along
0: yeah i'm uh, i'll if i get it when i get it up and running i'll do a tour and i will come to yobleton which we'll talk about later on um but uh, i'll take it round a few places when i get it up and running um so that's the end of the first section david we'll take a very short break and then we'll be back shortly for part two <laughs> well welcome back everyone and uh, part two of the show as you regular listeners will know by now is about big games and we just have a short chat with our guests about what big games mean to them and and um, any the particular memorable games that they've played over the years so that first uh, universal question then david for you is is what does a big game mean to you
1: um i enjoy i really enjoy big games when, when i when i get a chance to play them which isn't all that often mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really, I really enjoy them. You know, the, 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 you know, the, the fact that you can have some, you know, sort of really big spanning games with literally world spanning in, in some cases, some, some of the games that we played, um, and, mm. you know, get, getting as many of your mates around as possible, uh, or get them involved uh, is <laughs> it, that's, that's a really big thing for me. So yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of big games uh, and I would like to do them more.
0: Um, is it? a size of the table or the number of figures or the scope of the game? How, how does it come into defining a big for you?
1: So it, it varies. I mean, I've done, I I've done so many different types of big games. Um, mm. so the school war gaming, we did, you know, big Napoleonic games or big you know, micro tank games on tables that were basically, you know, every, every table in the classroom stuck together. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and and limited only by you know how far in you could reach. So you know, you, you yeah. about sort of five foot wide and about sort of twenty odd feet across battles with hundreds, or in some case, you know, for the, some of the Napoleonic games, thousands of figures involved, and just the spectacle of doing that, um, which you had to play for about. We played those games over like about three or four days or so sometimes. Yeah. Um, so awkward. that was you know, like, you know, real grand manner kind of stuff. So yeah. So I like those kind of things. Um, in you know, and, and and you can't be a good Napoleonic or a Malburian or an American Civil War game that's just full of figures. You know, I, yeah. I, I think that's great. Um, but then I've played other big games, um, games I've you know, run with the Naval War Game Society and others where you've got a lot of players, um, but you're effectively using map moves and big campaign games. So you're moving task groups and task forces and managing airstrikes on a map, and then you move to a small table when you actually you know fight battles and things but mm. but those are you know I, I, they're, they're big games because of the numbers of people involved in them i suppose um and and then i've done some really massive games um with um jim wallman and and some others jim jim runs you know, mega games uh and i've played a few of his you know as part of you know things like the connections wargaming conference uh, and you go into a game where you're, you know, there, there's like 140 players in wow. this game, you know, and you're and you're playing like everybody that you can think of who's who's worth playing, you know, military wise or uh, military and government wise, you know, in the South China Seas or, um, you know, um, in in the UK government as you're fighting, obviously, you know, this this horde of cyber attacks and other mysterious things that are going on, um, uh, and yeah, and and those kind of games appeal to me because there's um, there's a lot of in, in, interpersonal skills involved. You know, we talked about that before, but mm. you know, when when you play a game where, where somebody says, "Oh, yeah, you're the um, permanent undersecretary in the Ministry of Defence, and it's your job to negotiate with these other government departments and you know squeeze money out the Treasury and do this and do that and influence the Prime Minister or whatever," you know, whilst you're also trying to deploy, um, you know, sort of the, the British Army's rapid reaction force into Lithuania to dissuade the Russians from causing trouble over there or something, you know, role-playing if, if you're good at role-playing that kind of game is absolutely fantastic
0: wow yeah yeah it sounds like um the, the classic diplomacy game but obviously up a few levels and <laughs> a bit more uh important
2: yeah but,
1: uh, but with with just about as much back backstabbing
0: <laughs> is it... that was always the problem with that game wasn't it you it would you'd, you'd have a game of diplomacy with your best mates and then you didn't speak to each other for a few weeks afterwards yeah
1: yeah that well that still happens that still happens still play diplomacy every now and <laughs> and again and it usually ends up in a fight but uh, yeah
0: hey-ho. yeah it's uh it's one of the side the side problems of uh of diplomacy uh, do you have a group of uh people that you go back to for for games, um, you know, sort of an old college group or something like that, or do you um, play with whoever's available for the, whatever it, it is?
1: It varies. Um, I mean, there is you know the old naval war gaming um, crowd from, you know, from when, when the NWS was really active, you know, back in the um, mm. in the nineties and early two thousands. You know, we, we still occasionally get together to do to do big games. Um, but um, yeah, just li- life has really sort of worked against doing my own bing games just recently other than you know some of these you know sort of wargaming conference games and things that i've done which yeah. is a shame because I, I i really would like to to do them and now that you've mentioned big games and stuff you know i'm, I'm sitting here thinking well yeah maybe i could do something
0: were you, were you involved um I, th- I can't remember who it was um who mentioned it to me um but there was a a big game on the deck of the uh, Belfast, HMS Belfast. Were you involved in that one?
1: I I was. Yes. Do tell. Yeah. So this was the 60th anniversary of the battle of North Cape. So you can't do it exactly on the anniversary because that was December 26th and people have got other things to do on boxing day. Um, but we did do it in the week between Christmas and new year. And, and we did do it, um, in the ship's company dining hall on HMS Belfast, uh, one 600 scale models. Um, I spent literally six months, you know, working up all these these ships, you know. So some of them are dead easy to do. Yes, you can do well. Actually, Scharnhorst wasn't that easy, so you had to find the old gravel kit of that, which is not quite the right yeah. scale, but it's good enough. Uh, and Belfast was was was, was easy because you just get the airfix kit. Uh, yeah, and then you're into things like you know Sheffield and Jamaica, uh, so, um, yeah, okay, and Norfolk. So again, you know, Airfix kit conversions, but you end up, you know, taking an old Airfix um, Tiger cruiser yeah. and having to graft all the bits of Sheffield uh, <laughs> Belfast on top of it, and the, the destroyers and things as well. I mean, actually, we got we got um, we got really good support from Skytrax in that. So this is oh, wow. when, when Skytrax were um, you know, pushing their one range, uh, and they uh, did a very nice model of um, HMS Kelly, the sort of JKN class destroyers. Um so Nick Hewitt from the um from, from the museum, you know, basically wrote Skytrax and said, Hey, we're doing this game. Uh, it'd be really useful if we had a whole load of these destroyers that we could use and also convert into these other types as well. And they, they sent us a box full for free.
2: Which is oh, fantastic,
1: awesome. um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I was busy converting those into um, sort of L and M class destroyers and stuff like that to, you know, to get to get the right ones. So uh, so all, all the ships that we needed, uh, we, we we managed to put together, and we had all the German destroyers as well. Um, and then ran it as a campaign game, so we didn't you know, sort of slavishly stick to the um, you know the, the the historical narrative. We started off with a. You know, in the, in the right sort of starting positions. And then, you know, the players were f- really free to do what they want, but it ended up with a battle that looked pretty much the same as the historical. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we did it on board, uh, on board the ship and, and they, you know, they, they had their own anniversary events that were going on. So there were lots of, uh, lots, lots of things going on visitors and um, you know, veterans from the battle turned
2: up Oh, fantastic!
1: Uh, three in particular, you know, stick in my mind. So there was, there was one, uh who was um at the battle he was the turret captain in um b turret on hms um hms norfolk uh, and and he was looking at the game at exactly the point where b turret on hms norfolk in the game was hit by an 11 inch shell from the Scharnhorst and, and he looked at it, he went oh dear i appear to be dead <laughs> So I thought, oh, that was nice. Um, and, and then there was another guy uh, um, who was a midshipman on one of the destroyers who who looked at one of my Skytrek's model ships. And the first thing he said was, you've got those boats the wrong way around. That boat should be on the opposite side. And everything is like, I can't do anything. It's cast on. It's a white metal casting. I can't do it. can't do anything about it. And he was very understanding after that. And then the most amazing one was was one of the German survivors. Um, and we didn't know he wow. was coming and um you know we're suddenly told oh one of the german survivors is on board and he's coming down and we think what grief what's he gonna what's he gonna make of this you know and and, and so we're a little bit mm. worried about how he how he's going to take it anyway he, he walks into the room uh and sees you know sean horse on the flag ah oh, my ship oh this is lovely <laughs> and he thought it was great um so Fantastic. so yes our, our worries were alleviated but uh yeah, that was that was an absolute classic game, and um, and actually, you know, talking about you know ideas for the future, it's the 80th anniversary of North Cape. Oh. Hmm. Um, and I have a few ideas to you know spruce up all the models, fix all the bits that have dropped off in the intervening twenty years, <laughs> um, and find somewhere to run that again. Which unfortunately yeah. won't be H.M.S. Belfast. They don't do that kind of thing these days. But um, yeah. but yeah, maybe maybe somewhere local, or maybe back at the pub or something.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a, a fantastic location for that um, that game, and you know I was talking to Nick Skinner from the Two Fat Lardies not that long ago, who did a an Arnhem game mm, at the yes. Hartenstein Hotel, and and I think those sorts of events where you're linking the historical location to the game um, are another great way of bringing people into the hobby. Absolutely. Yeah, we need to we need to come up with some more. I'll think of something. <laughs> we need to black the right people don't yeah. we to get into the right places
1: it, it's the trouble it's the trouble with naval games you, you you need to get a ferry and go out into like in the middle of the north atlantic or something to play a game but um yeah really that's that.
0: true <laughs> <laughs> uh, and was that played on the floor or did you have a table how no, did you do
1: floor. it uh i mean the, the the museum was fantastic you know they um they cleared everything out of this this dining room and then they carpeted it yeah, you know, they, they especially oh, nice. especially for the event, they, they they got this blue carpet, um, you know, to make it look good and also to save our knees because everybody was kneeling down on the floor all the time.
0: Yeah. It gets, uh, gets harder as you get older, that sort of game, I have to yes. say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yes,
1: I mean that reminds me of, so we did another historical game. So for the um centenary of um Jutland mm. in twenty eighteen. I, I played Jutland three times in a week. Um, which is so so my own private game. Then we did a game with the Naval Reserve down at um, HMS Flying Fox down in in Bristol, and then we did a game at the National Museum of the Royal Navy in Portsmouth. Um, and uh, and for that game, we had the services of uh, Sea Cadets. Oh, so um, so uh, you, know, you remember Boy, boy Cornwall who um, you know got got the VC. You know, mm. Staying at his post on was it HMS Chester? Chester, or,
0: Chester it yeah, was. yeah. Yes,
1: yeah. yeah. So um, there's a, a sea cadet unit which is um, you know sort of affiliated in in his honour, uh, and and a whole load of sea cadets came along from from that unit, um, and and they were the runners. So so the players were sitting at their various command tables around the edge of the playing area, is, issuing orders to the young sea cadets who would then go down and scrabble around on the floor and move everything. Oh. And, taking ranges and all that kind of stuff yeah it was it was, it was a very special day that was
0: yeah brilliant Ah, oh, fantastic yeah we i, I did jutland um, as well uh, and played it quite a few times during the course of of the year um all the ships are still under there somewhere oh well, yes um, and, and your, yeah. your
1: collection is legendary you know it's uh, <laughs> yes, we, we, we've seen an awful lot of it we saw it as it, as it grew and, yeah i mean it's, it's a fantastic collection
0: yeah it's um I'd, i'll have to we we have got a world war one naval campaign um on the go from the decisions at sea series i think they're called um okay. the american series right. um linked to gq um, rules okay. um and it's like a uh a narrative campaign um where you know you have a higher level command and then you make decisions yes. and events happen like Gobin might not go to turkey it might go to the to okay. the ic's fleet um and then you fight out a series of link scenarios rather than a traditional campaign
1: okay yes yeah
0: yeah uh, and the decisions that you make in the sort of higher level phases then determine the circumstances right. for the, yes. the naval battle that comes and obviously your losses and your damage yep. carry on forward through the campaign. It's so a bit like the sort p-
1: of campaign packs that um, Nathan Forney used to put together. Yeah. So, um, yeah. 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 Um, yes. E- excellent way of playing if you if you don't want to you know worry about map moves and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We might talk about that in the naval war gaming section a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah. So we 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 did a couple of um, games for that, and then COVID hit. Mm. So that's kind of been parked for a number of years. Uh, so I do need to get that up and up and out and up and out and running again. Um, so um, it's certainly that we seem to be more skirmish than bigger games at the moment, I would say within the war gaming industry. Um, any thoughts on that? Any thoughts how it might twist around? Um, I don't know. I mean,
1: people still seem to be quite wary about, about COVID and big gatherings, but I'm also mm. sensing, you know, there's a, a degree of frustration with that. And, you know, I, I, I do have a lot of conversations with people saying, so when are you going to put something big on? and and, and my response to that is well i've been putting big stuff on for like 30 years or so i'd quite like it if somebody else put some big stuff on which i will come along to i'll be more than happy to but i know i'm going to end up doing something
0: Uh, oh give us a nod if you need any ships i'm sure i can i'll short something out i can sort, of sort something out um well thank you very much for that david we always have a, like to have a little short chat on uh, on big games that's brilliant uh and we'll have another quick break for the audience and we shall be back in a second with our features section And it's uh, part three, and it's the features section of Yorkshire Gamer. Uh, once started with a quiz and then um, expanded like my waistline into a features section. <laughs> so the first part is the uh, the world-famous Yorkshire Gamer quiz, and um, let's not forget that this is how Yorkshire Gamer you are, not how good a gamer you are. Um, so all the answers will be a one or the other or a yes or a no, um, but we can always stop for a chat or whatever uh, on okay. any particular question. Questions if you've got a particular point of view on them, uh, so are you, are you ready to go, David? I am ready to go. Let's go. He's having a quick drink before he, he starts. Is, yes. uh, right, question. Question one: Go big or go home. Oh, big, big. I think. It's in the name of the podcast. Oh, Absolutely good answer. Good answer. Um, <laughs> question two: uh, Contrast paints are they great or are they a gimmick?
1: Do you know? I haven't had a chance to try them. Um, but from what I've seen, you can get some pretty good results and I'd probably like to give them a go.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, paintbrushes. Are you going to go Windsor and Newton, all all posh-like, or are you going to go true Yorkshire, made in Skipton, pro-art?
1: Um, actually, most of the paintbrushes I've got at the moment are pro-art ones.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Although I do have some Windsor and, uh, Newton, and
1: just like, for... really fine stuff
0: just for regular listeners, I will be at the pro art factory next week recording in process for the next edition of the podcast. (laughs) Looking forward to that one. I used to work over the road from it and and never went in and now I'm going back and um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Well, now that
1: I know that I'm, I'll I'll be even using this stuff even more. Brilliant. Yeah.
0: Good lads. Made in, made, made in Skipton. So, um, 96 figures would you consider that to be an army or a pipe block uh
1: that would be a, a, a skirmish army
0: for me a skirmish army skirmish yeah. army yeah. uh question five six by four table would you consider that a big game or a small game
1: uh i would consider that uh pretty much the only game i can play at the moment. Um, so I would say that I I would say that's, that's that's a small game but that's my regular game but I would yep. like to do much bigger
0: ones. Would you prefer a points based army or an historical order of battle?
1: Historical order of battle. I I don't like point systems.
0: I, you know I I don't know many people who do I, I'm on episode 47 and none of my guests well a couple of like points based systems but um, rules writers I've spoken to have said, Oh, you've got to have points, battle points in your rules, or else people don't gravitate towards them.
1: Ah, uh, maybe, maybe that's why people don't gravitate towards my rules because I don't <laughs> include point systems. Well, I have I have <laughs> on a few, but only because people have pestered me so much and
0: said, so You're yeah. gonna have one. You Are have they the ones pester? that sold really well?
1: Uh, probably. I don't know. In fact, there was there was one where where I said I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to have a point system. And this guy wrote to me and said, "I've written a point system for you. Please use this point system." Like, no, I'm not going to. Yeah, I hate them. <laughs> even though, even though when I was at school, you know, we we used to play you know WRG moderns, and it was like you know how many thousands yeah. of points are we going to have, and we we were all like concocting you Know sort of the, the best armies we could using Bruce Ray Taylor's army lists and stuff like that, but but these days, I no, oh, don't, like, good don't old like Bruce,
0: yeah, good old Bruce, there's a Every legend, days. there's a legend. Um, question seven, um, mixing your paints, would you go for a wet palette or an old bit of MDF? I actually go for
1: drinks caps, you know, caps off soft drinks bottles and things. Oh, that's what I use.
0: Ah, yeah. what did you do? You use the up, upside down and use the, the yeah, yeah, bottom Uh bottom. and usually oh.
1: um, T- Tesco's fruit juice ones actually I find best because all, all yeah. milk bottles because they're wider, you know. So you can't use the the, the old, you know, the little sort of um, yeah. what, are they, what size are they? You know, sort of plastic coke bottles and things because the the cap is too deep. But uh, but yeah, the wider ones for milk, milk bottles. That's
0: why I use. I right, like that's a good answer. Unique, unique answer. Okay, very good. good. Um, under <laughs> undercoating figures. Do you go black or white? Uh,
1: usually white.
0: Usually white.
1: Yeah, Corax white from Games Workshop.
0: Oh, very good. That's, very that's good. my usual one. Uh, um, hot drink. Would you go for no? There's no regional bias here, obviously. Uh, okay. Would you go for Yorkshire tea or dirty <laughs> mucky coffee?
1: Uh, at, at the moment, I, I I'm very faddy. I go in and out, but at the moment, it's tea. Definitely tea. Oh, brilliant! In fact, I've got a brilliant. big box of Yorkshire tea on, on my on my desk in the office at
0: UCL. Oh, fantastic! Grown in the tea fields of Barnsley. Absolutely oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question ten. Um, mm. War games units, if it's historically accurate, do you like them tightly packed or socially distanced? Depends what it is. Because
1: yeah. um, I'm, I'm more sort of skirmishy at the moment than socially distanced. But okay. like I said, you can't beat a good, uh, a good pipe block. Oh, my
0: favourite. Love a pipe block. Love a pipe block. Uh, so question 11 uh, two hour club game or a weekend monster game
1: Um, would like to do weekend monster game uh, usually end up playing two hour club game
0: (laughs) yeah the time your your time has been uh, taken up with other things as we spoke about before Um, now um, you you did say where you were you're down towards the south of England aren't you Uh,
1: yeah just south of Gloucester
0: yeah, so um interesting where you go with this one. Um okay. avocado, are they just posh mushy peas?
1: Yes, they are. Can't stand them.
0: Oh <laughs> they' can't uh, beat a nice yeah, It's mushy, fluctuating mushy now. It, it's fluctuating now, but there used to be a there used to be an avocado line somewhere really? around Northampton. <laughs> yeah. Uh but I'm having well, okay. I'm having I'm having people from the south of that now saying that um yeah. avocado is mushy peas, and then yeah. I, I've had one person from the north say, Oh, I love avocado,
1: <laughs> yeah. The, the avocado line, the Northampton uh, avocado line, there's an interesting idea for a war game,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, this the, Nick, Nick Skinner from the Two Fat Lardies is responsible for that. I'm blaming him, ah, uh, so, that, so, so that's what we'll that's... keep going, um, so, um. The next question, uh, David, is a, is a universal question that has been answered the same by everyone. Ooh, okay. So there's no pressure on no you pressure. to get this right. right. No pressure whatsoever. Uh, so this is round dice, spherical dice. Oof. Are you aware of the concept? Uh, I have um, seen them, are yes. The, uh, seen them. Are they allowed or banned on your table?
1: Uh, I No, no, they're just not a thing
0: yes 47 excellent excellent kept the record going there I remember we, we, one of my friends did
1: have you know the the hundred-sided spherical dice you know with the it, little facets on it and we we spent more time trying to figure out what the numbers were than actually playing the game <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing <laughs> i've ever seen
0: yeah i think it's i think it's a universal hatred within the um with the war games community you can we can fight about scales and ground scales and and periods and rule sets but when it comes to round dice it's a universal page yes yeah, exactly it certainly is um if you're going down the fish and chip shop uh would you have haddock or cod um usually cod but haddock if i'm
1: feeling a bit posh excellent
0: oh very good very good. Um, question 15. Um, do you love a good table in a set of rules?
1: Sorry, do I love a good table or like a, a
0: casualty, casualty table or an armor penetration? Oh. No, oh, in a set of rules. Yeah. So, oh, I see, in a set of rules. Like, like um, a casualty table?
1: Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, I was I was a big fan of the armor penetration tables and the WRG rules. I thought they were great. You used to love working my way around that. Yes. Yes.
0: I think it's an engineer thing. Yeah, my own rules
1: I tend not to. You know, I just have you know, mm. modifiers in a results table or something. I don't have the you know, vast multi-dimensional tables that, that some games do. But but yeah, if somebody else has put the effort in to make a nice table, I really appreciate that.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: let them do the work. I like that. Question 16, 28 king, yes or no? No. 1,200s, 1, clearly. <laughs> tw- clearly. Clearly, clearly. Yes. Or
1: 15 mil. Most of my my land-based stuff is 15 mil, which I love.
0: Base 15s. Yeah. Unpainted miniatures, are they allowed on the table, yes or no? No, Not of mine. I will will occasionally
1: grudgingly let a visitor bring their unpainted stuff if they're well-behaved. But my own stuff, if it's not painted, it's not going on.
0: That's what we like to see. Um, Have you any interest at all in football, David? uh only a passing interest and which i have to have because of my choice uh it's um it's because this next question is football related and that's um bradford city um who i support or leeds united who i don't oh
1: good grief i don't know uh crystal (laughs) crystal palace definitely is the the, crystal
0: palace
1: yes well i was born i was born a stone's throw away from selhurst park so I've ah, I've this have this, I have this yeah. funny thing you know about supporting teams that I actually have a connection to. So like my my, my daughter yeah. born in Bristol, mad keen Bristol City supporter, uh, and I was born near Southampton yeah. so I, so I follow Crystal Palace.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, regular listeners know I'm a Bradford City season ticket holder, and I had to away be. crying on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> 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 yes. Okay so question 19 again uh, regionally biased but that needs to be asked um and that is um yorkshire or the other place over the hill oh yorkshire oh brilliant excellent M- much better uh, Emmy, and then the final question yeah, exactly yeah, exactly much better tea of course the only well, thing whoever, we don't do better who ever heard
1: of tea from the other place
0: well, there is a Lancashire tea, apparently. Is there? I've never seen Ooh, it. No. Yeah, apparently there is. I've not, I've not tried it. I've not tried it. <laughs> Why would you want to? Um, exactly. I'd, I'd be like that. Uh, I'd be just melting away, wouldn't I, if I mm. had some? <laughs> I'd be, it'd be like when they open the Ark of the Covenant on... Um, <laughs> on um, what's his face? In, Indiana yes, Jones, the the they one. all melt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, you don't <laughs> yeah, want that to happen. Yeah, right.
2: Uh, so far no we don't final
0: question uh, yes. games workshop are they the work of the devil
1: <sighs> well now there's a difficult question isn't there uh, you it is a difficult you, one well. you, you like to say yes but they do get a lot of people into the hobby don't they so yeah yeah no slightly misguided rather than the work of the devil i would say but not much
0: excellent excellent Lovely. Well, thank you very much for doing that, David. It's always a, a bit of a laugh and a joke, right? Uh, quiz. And you've come out with 75, percent, which is an excellent, excellent oh, result. Excellent. Um, very, very, yeah, not too bad, not too bad at all.
2: Good,
0: yeah, exactly. So it's that'll be a first one, it what 75? Uh, it would, yes. we are on a 2 well 1, or are we a high 2 1? No, no, no,
1: it's uh, that's, that's that's a first, that's a distinction <laughs> that is on, on my MSc course, so uh. So, yes, I'll, I'll oh. myself a distinction for Oh, fantastic. Give, give, me, give me a nice certificate to hang in the toilet.
0: I will do. I will do. I'll get it organised. Um, which leads me nicely on to uh, Room 101. Uh, and uh, regular listeners will know uh, George Orwell's Room of Horror, turned into a tv show uh turned into a feature on my podcast um and this is where um we we forgot all boundaries and uh, our guest is allowed to have a mm-hmm. right up mode about something that really winds them up in this glorious hobby of ours um so uh, uh david which one have you gone for what have you gone for
1: joe i'm going to go for i uh, because i'll i i the, there's a potential to upset too many people with the other one, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go for faction.
2: Yes, the yes! word
1: faction. Oh. Yes.
0: So now, David, give me your give me your faction rant.
1: I hate the use of the word faction <laughs> when people are talking about army lists, especially when. And there, there are there are some situations where faction is an appropriate word, but you know when you read a set of, you know, naval rules and, oh, which faction are you playing? Oh, I'm playing the Royal Navy or you know, air rules. I'm playing the <laughs> Luftwaffe or I'm playing the British. No, no, that's not a faction. You know, like some terrorist organization is a faction or some splinter group or something. That's a faction. But yeah. the RAF is not a faction. No. It's a hobby, but it's not a faction. <laughs> you know, and it just really, that, that's, there's not many things that really wind me up in wargaming but that really is one especially when when you know well I've, I've seen it a few times in you know sort of you know facebook groups and other things like that and you know i put on i say it's not a faction it's like it's a nation <laughs> or something and then you get all the youngsters going oh don't be so don't be so silly granddad it doesn't matter and you go it does words are important yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: so that's
0: me that's my rant yeah, it's a very good one. I think it's. I think personally, I think it's so disrespectful um, because it comes from it comes from that sci-fi fantasy genre where you can have a faction that because it it, it isn't anybody, but we. Um, you know, your father, my grandfather fought in World War Two uh, and he, and, and he was in the desert. Uh, and if I said to him, what faction were you in granddad? No. He would have smacked me around the back of the head with a spade or something. Ab- absolutely. And, and quite
1: deservedly <laughs> say it's so like I said, you know, there, 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 are some games, you know, or some settings where that'd be entirely appropriate. Yeah. You know, if you're playing some cyberpunk game or something, you know, based in the streets of, you know, sort of future Los Angeles, then that would be, that'd be fine. I'd be happy with that, but not historical game when you are pitting the RAF against the Luftwaffe or something, it's just, yeah. just wrong crazy don't
0: do crazy. it well i am so glad that you've put that in that's one of those that's been hanging around waiting to be shoved into the war the war games 101 vault for so long and i'm so glad david you've come on in and just booted it in there Excellent. so we we will Very close pleased. the we will close the vault door behind us because i hate hate <laughs> action so much <clears throat> right calm down ken calm good down. we've got to have our systems now yeah we're that's out funny. now so, we're going to relax now on our Desert Island, okay. because we're, good, we're moving to the Desert Island uh, war game. Uh, yes. Very yeah. much like the um, the Desert Island discs on, on Radio 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you are allowed to take, David, one Desert Island game. And it could be any size, any type of game. It doesn't have to be a war game. It can be a board game. But just mm. something that is your okay. go-to all-time <sighs> game.
1: So I thought long and hard about this, because mm. there are many, many choices. Um, but my choice would have to be a board game, uh, and it would be Avalon Hills, B 17 queen of the skies. Um, so it's a solo game, which oh, is I
0: haven't seen that for years.
1: No. Yeah. So, so yeah. it was, it was the very first Avalon Hill I ever owned. Avalon Hill game I ever owned my, my parents got it for me for Christmas. Uh, cause one of my friends ran a game shop down in, down in Croydon, uh, and, and it was one of the games that he had down there. And yeah, I, I just love it. You know, it's a lot of people hate it because you know, it, it's a game where you've got, you, you haven't got much in the way of agency. You know, you're, 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 you're flying a B 17 over Germany or something, mm-hmm. and you don't get much choice in what you do. You just get choice in well, you but you don't get any choice at all. You know, the Luftwaffe will come and try and kill you in spades, uh, and shoot your plane to play apart, yeah. but. You know, as as a as a game that you know has has a narrative feel to it, you know, it's 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 like watching, uh, you know, you, you're living in you know, like the, like the movie Memphis Belle or something, you know. Especially, if, you know, you, you give all your, your your crew personalities and things, and then you try and you know, and you send your plane off, and then you try and fly your twenty five missions, and you know. And, you, 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 your crew get get shot up and injured or killed and mm. uh, or maybe even the plane is destroyed or something and you know and when you get to that 25th mission you know and, and and you're thinking oh please let it be a milk run please let it be a milk run it's like no you're going to berlin it's like, oh <laughs> and, and it's so so nerve-wracking um it's also the game that every time i've moved house that's the very first game that i play Oh, so it's, a, it's always first out of the box and first night we're there, quick game of B-17, you know, it's become a little bit of tradition. So if I'm washed up on a desert island, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that that's in the, in the survival pack, uh, which will help me through until I'm rescued.
0: Oh, what a fantastic choice. What a fantastic choice. <laughs> um, so, um, moving on then to, uh, a book. Other than a religious book, you can take a book with you. What would that be? Very good.
1: Oh, the, the works of Shakespeare are already there, presumably.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Again, you know, thinking long hard and about that, I mean, I would like to take, um, you know, the, the the last book in the um, uh, Game of Thrones series, but obviously, Mister Martin hasn't finished that, and he's unlikely mm-hmm. to ever finish it. Yeah. So, I think what I'd like to take with me is the Three Musketeers, Alexandre.
2: Oh, Dumas. Yeah. Um,
1: years ago, uh, we went on, on holiday, you stayed at a, uh, um, little, little farm, farm cottage, uh, and there was a copy of it, you know, a little old, old edition, you know, lovely kind of old book smell to it. Um, and, and, and I read it over that holiday or read, actually I read half of it because we were busy doing other stuff, but you know, I just really enjoyed it. Um, you know, lovely story. It's so tongue in cheek most of the time, yeah, uh, yeah, and I can brilliant. go back and read it time and time again. And and whenever I'm reading it, I just think of those, you know, the films from the seventies, you know, with um, uh, old what's it, Oliver Reed and and the others, you know, Richard I can just Ch- Richard yeah. Chamberlain.
0: Michael York and I can't yes, remember
1: the other guy. And of course Charlton Heston, you know, as like yeah. the best Cardinal Richelieu. Oh, ever. yeah, yes, yeah. So I'm, I'm really hoping that Martin Goddard's going to do a little 15 mil Cardinal Richelieu with his. He's uh, he's recently done um, Musketeers, because um, that'd be awesome. But but yeah, I I I can I can just imagine. Yeah, the characters those characters when i'm when i'm reading the book i think it's fantastic so yeah i'll take that one with me
0: oh fantastic and uh, just finally on this section um it's uh, a war games unit or a model or anything that you would like to take with you uh, for memories or something from a magazine you don't have to own it now
2: uh, okay uh,
1: uh yeah again difficult one to think about but my brother's model of hms hood I think. so one of the ones i inherited from from andrew when he decided he wasn't going to do wargaming anymore uh so this kit must be best part of 45 years old um has been repaired wow. i did buy another another one and scavenged yeah. the parts from the new one to repair the old one but it's one of those those models which has like been with me forever i mean interesting when i'm uh, so my uh my, my dad had um, a couple of stepbrothers, and they were both gunners. Uh, and one of them was a gunner on the hood. I mean, he transferred off the ship before before Denmark Strait, but there's a little bit of a, wow. a, a slight family yeah. connection to, to HMS Hood. So, yeah, it's always had a, uh, a special place for me.
0: And was that the, um, the Airfix kit, the, the one? Yeah, the, the, the one yeah.
1: 1,200th one. So, the, the small, ah, he, right. he had, yeah, he had quite a good 1,200th collection. Oh, uh,
2: fantastic.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great choice, a great choice, bit of uh, a bit of meaning as uh, and a bit of family connection as well, which is absolutely fantastic. And that drink draws us to the close uh, at the end of the third part of the show. Uh, and now we're going to talk about naval wargaming. Don't switch off. <laughs> okay ladies and gentlemen we're here for a, our big talki- topic and a bit of a, a wide-ranging um, chat and discussion on all things wargaming um David's involvement in the ho- in the hobby as well as a kind of a wider range of catch-alls as I'm a bit into my uh, war- naval wargaming as well um so I suppose Fletcher 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 Pratt would be the, the pl- oh, is it Pratt or Platt? Pratt Plus, yeah, it is practice. An yeah, Me and yeah. Brain went there for a second. Yeah. I would. Was that the Was that the first naval war game? First one I'm aware no,
1: of. No, no, no. Ooh. The first was 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 Fred Jane, Fred T. Jane. So, um, the author of uh, Jane's Fighting Ships and and the founder of, uh, I suppose, yes. Jane's Information Group. So, yes, if you go back and and get um you know copies of the, the early editions of Jane's Fighting Ships, you will find jane's naval rules in the book so you know you can and and, and the the layouts well there you go so so go go and find yourself a nice facsimile facsimile edition of the like 1898 edition and you'll find or is it or maybe one of the later ones but yeah you'll find the rules in there um and the way that the the diagrams in the book for a lot of the ships is laid out you know showing the armor and stuff like that and also mm. the grading system that he used in, in, in the book, you know, sort of like ABC class armor and stuff like that it was all there so that you could, you could fight naval war games with, 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 with the books and the wow. books. It's absolutely fantastic. So, um, yes, one of the things that I've, uh, I started, uh, a few years ago, in fact, seven years ago, um, uh, was international naval war games day. Yes. So in- inward, uh, which is, um, uh, August the 6th every year. Uh, And it's August the 6th, because that is Fred T. Jane's birthday. Wow. Excellent. A little bit of of history, but yes, Jane Jane was the first.
0: I'm going to have to dig them out now because I've learned. So I like learning things and I've learned something. And I'm I'm going to go and dig those out. Excellent. Excellent. I've got to ask the question, um, why is it so unpopular? Or not as popular as it could be? (laughs)
1: That's, that's yes. a good question. <laughs> so I, I I I don't know, but I can guess that you know pe- people like tables that are full of stuff, don't they?
0: Mm, yeah.
1: If you're doing a naval game that's full of stuff, it's probably going to be Age of Sail. Yeah. Uh, and people don't like building sailing ships because they're tricky.
0: Yes that's very true that
1: rigging and sails and all that all that kind of stuff you know, just kind of gets in the way and it's all a bit tricky and if you do you know if you go to much later later periods you know when you get battleships and aircraft carriers there's there's not so many of them and they inevitably end up being smaller and so the spectacle on the table is not as, not as great so I guess that's that's probably quite a large a large reason why the other one is that you know p- people play you know what, what what's what's available where where they're playing. You know, so if you've if if you started off with an environment where you know naval war gaming is a bit niche, but everybody's doing Napoleonics or Warhammer or this or that, that's naturally what people are going to end up playing. So yeah, it's it, it, I, I think it's probably you know, a, a victim of its own unsuccess in some way. <laughs> I
0: I think it can be um, it can be. Like any any war game, in I'm not just picking out naval war game, but it can be extremely complex and a, and, and a bit dull sometimes. Um, ah, yes, uh, i have got to be honest. I'm being honest here. You know, I'm I'm a naval war gamer as well, David so I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm not having a go in any way, shape or form. But we can um, we can as naval war gamers, I think, be our own worst enemy sometimes.
1: I I, I think you're right. Um, so again, naming no names here. Because the people that written these are some <laughs> of my very close personal friends. But you know, there are some sets of naval rules out there that you know even you know, an actual naval, you know, war- warfare practitioner would find difficult. I mean they'd find it very realistic, but they'd find it very difficult to play. Um and that's not just moderns there, you know, that goes back, you know, through all periods and things. Um so yeah, I guess that there is a perception that they're they're very um, detail specific and, and sometimes that's fun you know if you if, if mm. you're playing a game and you know part part of the game is is to look through that table that tells you that oh the shell's gone through the captain's cabin and it's gone off in his bathroom and destroyed his bath <laughs> and taken the heads off his golf clubs so then then yeah that's that's fine and and that's good fun and i've played games like that but usually games which end up being very long and you know need need lots of time yeah if if you want to try and get a game in you know that that sort of two three hour club game then those kind of rules just don't work so Mm. you need to go to something that's that's much more streamlined
0: i think um when people can be dreadfully put off by it and when i run games in the club for people who haven't played before um you know my i use my own rules and i've used them for years and years and they're not they're not they are they are reasonably complicated there's a level of complication in them but there's a lot of those random uh, events going off like you were talking about there like the mm. captain's golf clubs being destroyed and stuff like that um and that's what engages people uh and they they're looking for oh i've hit that location and oh i might be able to do this and mm. maybe it's the you know how we run the games and it, it's design, you know, a lot of fun and a lot of uh, interaction with the players yeah. rather than people counting up on the fingers and going 27.5% of 180 is, um, yes. so I, I think if people have a go with the, and it's the same with everything, isn't it? If people have a go with the right set of rules and the right person running the game, then they will get into naval.
1: Yes, I, I, I think you know, the, uh, an umpire. If you are playing an umpired game, or you know, a game that's being led by, you know, obviously the person with the naval interest, that's that it's really important if they can get that that engaging side of the game going. And I, I, I quite like games that end up with some kind of narrative. Mm. Um, you know, so you, you've got a you've got a story, you've got a mission to achieve, um, or or the rules and the outcome from the rules, you know, tell a story in their own right. You know, mm. so. Um, my, my rules writing over the year has, has has varied from uber complex to really really simple. But what something that I do try and try and focus on is is the, or try and get is is that kind of narrative bit. So at the end mm. of it, yeah, you, know, you do feel like you know some something's happened and there is a story, you know, and you can help there a lot with you know things like critical hit tables and stuff like that you know so you know that that lucky shot which penetrated the you know the enemy ship's magazine and you know blew the mm. of the ship off or um you know the the, the hit that uh, you know has critically injured your you know your your your, your captain you know and, and your ship is uncontrollable whilst, whilst you try and find the first lieutenant to come and take over yeah. and that
0: kind of thing yeah those are the bits that for me drive a set of rules and and um there can be a lots of complicated stuff going on in the background, but those are the bits that people stick onto. And if they've got um, damage control, ongoing damage control, and they're trying to fix a rudder or they're trying to fix yes. some yeah. sort of system or you know unjam it or something along those lines, you're invested in that game because you're yes. trying to absolutely your ship becomes a character
1: doesn't it it does yes yes i mean I, um years ago i was doing um a world war II game and i was driving a uh a us navy destroyer squadron mm. uh and so it's 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 a battle in fog and my, one of my destroyers comes out of the fog and there's the yamato right in front of it <laughs> Whoops. But, oh okay um so you know my my poor little ship looses off a you know a, a salvo of 5 inch uh, before getting literally blown out of the water in one go. Um, but we just scored one hit, which which just caused a mine of fire on the on the stern of the Yamate. Uh, and then the Japanese player just could not roll, you know, a damage control roll to save his life. Um, and, it, and it was like, still on fire, still on fire. All oh, the fires escalated, you know, the fires escalated, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and, and over the space of around about six hours of game time, this fire got bigger and bigger and then it reached the hangar and then it reached the off magazine and the off magazine blew up and it sank the ship, you know, and it's, oh. uh, but it was, it was such a story, you know, at the end of it, it's one of those, those yeah. stories that, you know, we, the, 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 players involved, you know, we still talk about it. It's like, Hey, do you remember the day when, when Dave's little destroyed? <laughs> yeah, I
0: think, um, I think naval, naval rules, um, have to have that ability, don't they, to have that sort of thing happen. Yes. Uh, rather than being black and white
2: yeah absolutely um,
1: because because that's how real naval battles are mm. you know there's there's you, you you can do you know um sort of statistical analysis and work out how many you know um heavy caliber hits it takes to take out a, a ship a particular size and if you go and look at you know the um like the us navy War College rules from the nineteen twenties. You know, they did exactly that. They did an analysis of, of Jutland and other battles and said, "Oh, it takes on average, you know, so many hits from this kind of shell to, to sink the ship." And and that's all they used. It was it was just the, you know basic, you know, take take twenty hits and you are dead kind of thing. It you actually look at you know real naval battles, the number of times that you know a, a battle has turned on you know a, a critical hit, you know, or or a lucky hit. You know, it's obviously you know Hood. Hood and Bismarck, you know, there's lucky hits all over the place yeah. on, on both ships uh, or the you know, Duke of York slowing down Sarnhorst with that that last shell that before they were going to break off, which just then happened to take out some of the boilers and slowed the ship down. And, and you know, you go back through history and you, you'll see all sorts of similar things like that. So you've got to have some kind of critical yeah. hit table, otherwise you're, you're missing an essential element of what actually happened.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a level of, um, I'm going to use the word luck involved um because you know you can be fantastic at firing you can going gunnery practice gunnery practice fantastic rate of fire really good um optics to get yourself straddling the target but when you straddle the target there's no skilly where you hit no. you know you you could get two hits and one could take the the enzyme off the bow and the other one could take the auxiliary rear outdoor toilet out. Yeah. And, 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 and that then...
1: is, yes. Or <laughs> well, conversely, it could hit the magazine and uh, exactly, it but it's <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and okay. That is, that is a bit frustrating, I guess, you know, yeah. if, if you're used to, you know, sort of, sort of land games where you're, you're slowly wearing the opposition down and it gets all kind of, you know, Lanchester and stuff like that, but mm. you eventually you grind them down and then you, then they, 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 they break and run away you know as opposed to that naval game where your 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 fantastic battleship was doing really well until that lucky hit the magazine <laughs> up, you know. i can see why some people might go well that's a bit off isn't it yeah
0: you know, but hey that's that's life yeah yeah, yeah we enjoy get used it. to we, it you know. we enjoy yeah. it um so i think everybody individually will have a mark somewhere along this line but rules uh, I mean, I, I don't mind naming names because I don't know anybody who wrote these. Um, but um, there's, a, there's a set of rules called Sea Krieg, um, yes. which I think are on version five, they which are. which are horrendously complicated. Loads of data in there, which are you know, as an engineer, I'm lapping that data up. I'm absolutely loving it. Um, but very very difficult to play. Um, I suppose Harpoon would be the uh, the mm-hmm. modern equivalent for for complicated. Mm, yep. Pretty much. um and i suppose in the middle gq3 g the gq series mm-hmm. might be yep kind of in the middle somewhere and, and the i would suggest the closest we've ever come to a uh it's like a you know one set to rule like like. yes yeah. um and then more, yeah and then more modern times we've had i think you've mentioned uh the war at sea um the mongoose version and then we've had victory at seeing cruel seas which have been more die six six version so um are you seeing rules becoming more simplified as we go along over time
1: yeah i think so um i mean Mm. i i used to love the really complicated games you know yeah modifiers Mm. for absolutely flipping everything (laughs) um uh, and and yes uh i mean i've i've got harpoon i've got i've got an earlier version of sea Krieg, i've got you know command and c so i've got a lot of of those those games which i do i do play occasionally but you know i don't have time you know to play you know um games that complicated and that lengthy most of the time so so for my own personal gaming i i'm I'm gravitating more towards the 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 simpler kind Mm. of rules um but I think I, I think in general that just seems to be where you know mainstream war gaming is going across the board. You know the 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 days of you know um, you know check paragraph one point three point two point two point four ah modifier plus one for spotting rifle oh no but my spotting rifle is a five five six spotting rifle so yeah. so I only get a plus the you know, I, I think that's whilst people still you know they're still out there I I, I don't think the focus is is anywhere near as much on those as it used to be
0: it can be i think it can be quite difficult with naval wargaming to oversimplify uh but we're you know we're, we're all we've all got our little line haven't we where we, what we enjoy uh, yes and you know a new set of rules has come out nimitz um i've had a look through them they're not my cup of tea they're they've been oversimplified from my choice and the ground scale's been crunched up quite considerably but i've seen people playing it and people playing naval war game and is what we all Hmm. want at
1: the end of the day absolutely
0: yeah um
1: reaching that sweet spot is other is well for for when when you're writing is really difficult to achieve and 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 to be honest whatever you achieve you know he's only going to please a small proportion. yeah yeah. People anyway, because people are always going to be, you know, somewhere on that that spectrum. I mean, f- from my perspective, uh, and actually, something that has been, you know, coming out from the like the more professional gaming that we've mm. been doing recently. You know, I'll, I'll I'll write a set of rules. I try and make it as comprehensive as possible right from the start. I mean, a, another one of those things that annoys me, you know, is a set of rules comes out and you think that's fine, but they haven't included, you know, this, that, and everything else. And then six months downstream, oh, buy this fantastic new supplement. <laughs> Um, to buy all the rules that probably should have been there the first time around. But then even worse, when you find out, you're talking to the author that, well, they've only just written those rules, you know, and why didn't you write them all together? Because actually they don't hang together very well. Um, So I'll I'll write stuff which is comprehensive, or I'll try to. Mm. Um, uh, But then as I'm going through playing it, suddenly you realise that, well, actually, this element is totally irrelevant, Mm. you know, and, and so there is some stuff that you can, you can chop back on or simplify and you're still capturing the essence of you know what you want to you know what, what is it you, you you really want to um you know cover in this game what, what are the really important points so you can go to maybe a little bit more detail on that and then try and abstract others
0: where do you where when you're writing your rules for work hmm. um is, is there a different mindset to writing a set of rules for a commercial war game
1: there is. Um, so the games tend to be much shorter lived. Um, you know, so this seabed game, you know, is written for a specific purpose. There's a whole load of stuff which isn't in it that you would expect from, you know, a normal war game. But that's because it's not, you know, stuff that isn't important for what we're covering. Uh, and the audience is different as well. You know, the, these are people that have probably mm. never really been involved in war gaming. They're not hobby war gamers. Some of them are, but a lot of them aren't and you've got to be able to get the idea of the game across them as quickly as you can because what you're trying to do is you're, you're trying to learn from it you're trying to you know get outcomes from it uh, get insights from it you know and, and so if you've got something that takes them you know best part of a day to get to grips with that's all learning time that you're missing out on because you might find you've only got one or two sessions to actually do it so yeah the focus is is, is quite a lot different
0: so you, you people from a a war games background are coming with a like preloaded set of knowledge of what a war game is. Um, and you, you you, ha- you know, you're saying then with, with your students, you, you, you can't ha- spend time getting that in their heads. You've got to crack straight onto the game more or less.
1: Yes. You've, you've got to get into, into the important stuff as quickly as you can. Cause if you don't, you lose them. You know, I've, I've seen it in a few games where, where, you know, the, the, we, we didn't get that balance, right. and, uh, you know a, about an hour in you know to trying to explain how this game works you can see you know one or two of them sitting there and going what are we doing here what's this all about why am i here so then the second time round, you know you try it with with a much more streamlined set get them invested as quickly as you can um, and yeah. you, you tend to find you know even in areas that you haven't detailed once they get themselves into the mindset, they start to like almost invent the detail themselves. <laughs>
0: oh, that's brilliant.
1: You know, they come up with, with good ideas for things you had not yeah. even thought of.
0: So your, your own um, naval rules, um, and yeah. I think you've covered a number of periods. <laughs> Shall we say that? Just, just a few. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think um, Find, Fix and Strike is your World War Two set, or one yeah, of your indeed. World
2: War Two yes. sets. Yes. Uh, yeah.
0: So... Um, what's the what's the kind of the focus with those rules what, what how did you develop those
1: um so that was the natural progression from uh, uh, you yeah, the, the 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 previous sets so mm. so like um you know, broadside and salvo. You know, it was a, um, a set for pre-dreadnought games. You know, which then went into um, you know Sevus Packham that I wrote with um, Stuart Machin, which was then into World War One, uh, and that was a set that we wrote. Uh, I was working on a, a. I had a project that was working under the title of Jutland in a Day. I wanna, oh right. Want yeah. to fight Jutland in a day? Do the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's basically what we did uh, with with SVP. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, we've run that we've done the whole of jutland a few times you know did it down at the pub and a few other places things and and so the natural thing was well hey you've done that so you know, it's it's just a short step you know it's, it's like, like like general quarters you know when so gq1 you know was, was world war ii based and then the natural progression there was to go back to you know first world war, I did it the other way, other way around, so I took, <laughs> took the first world war set and then added aircraft yeah. and submarines and all the yeah. other fun stuff to it. Yeah, um, but but the aim there was really to, to hit that, that two hour game target, mm. uh, or of or a set of rules that you could, you know, if, if you were doing a um, you know, a, a day long campaign or a weekend campaign or something, you could fight through battles pretty quickly. Um, so you could get you know multiple games in I mean, maybe maybe mm. you know in some cases two games in an evening or you know how many get however many battles you need to fight out over over your weekend campaign
0: and how did you how did you deal in that particular set of rules with the complexity issue that we've we've spoken about what were your thoughts and mechanisms for you know dealing with damage and damage control and
1: yeah, so the,
0: the... I used the the
1: the kind of Damage levels approach that I'd taken in the previous sets. Um, yeah. I, I mean, to be honest, that goes back to the um, medieval set that I wrote years and years ago. So, you know, to do 100 Years War games. But I've, and I've used that approach right the way through. And, and my thinking there is that, you know, you're, you're playing the role of a, you know, a Commodore or an Admiral or something. Uh, someone, mm. someone like that. So you're not that... Interested in the specific detail that a ship's taken, you know, one of the ships under your command. You want to know, you know, how combat effective is it? Yeah, and um, so you know, knowing that you know you've, you've taken so many points of you know so many thousand points of damage out of you know the tens of thousands you've got or something, you don't really <laughs> yeah. need to know that. You know, is 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 HMS Exeter still in the fight? You know, she's lightly damaged, but she's still going. She's heavily damaged, or she's crippled. Yeah, you know, so so that's the that, that was the kind of thinking behind that approach. It's all
0: right. Yeah, can you still hear me? Okay.
1: Yeah, I can still hear you. Yes.
0: Yeah, it um, it just dipped out for a second. Uh, Uh, Communications blackout. Somebody's trying to jam us. (laughs) (laughs) This
1: important information I'm trying to get across. Yeah. Yeah, So 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 I I use this 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 idea of damage levels, um, and that I've used that consistently through um, in fact quite a lot of sets now. So I've used my. Yeah. You know, coastal forces games as, as well as you know ship you know big ship to ship actions through uh you know all sorts of historical periods but then you know that that's supplemented with that that critical hit element, element as well you know so you 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 can still you know score that 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 lucky hit so you know hms you know hms hood will explode or you know, that that aircraft carrier is oh, you know, suddenly taking damage. Oh, she can't fly because the flight deck's out of action and that kind of thing. You know, yeah. which which are the kind of big things that, you know, that the, the Admiral so-and-so will be interested in and, and that Admiral so-and-so can see as well.
0: Yeah. Um, and somebody's going to ring him up if his golf clubs have been destroyed.
1: Well, absolutely, yes. Without a shadow of a doubt.
0: Never never mind if HMS Jarvis has gone to the bottom of the sea. I mean, golf clubs have been broken. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> So how many how many naval rules sets of naval rules could you could you say how many you've written I I should
1: know shouldn't I <laughs> But it's a lot it's a lot I I think I'm I'm into uh, it's, it's it's over 20 now Yeah various various periods uh, and like I said before I, I I have this this real attraction to unusual stuff Yeah so you know I do you know age of sail fleet action and you know world war 2 world war 1 you know big Fleet action type stuff. That's fine. And I really enjoy those kind of games. But then also like, uh, you know, things like gunboat battles on Lake Tanganyika in the First World War, <laughs> uh, and and the Cod War, and yeah. um, turtle ships. You know, um, Japanese uh, invaders. You know, and the and the, and the you know the, the the valiant Koreans under Admiral Yi fighting them off with their turtle ships and things. You know, mm. like as far as I could see, nobody had ever you know um, war games that to any serious degree before um uh, and, and it was it was actually it was a project that particular one was a project i've been you know trying to get off the ground for about 20 years or so um <laughs> right and it, it was only you know a, a chance meeting you know that, that meant that actually took off
0: is your are all your rules available is it war games vault i seem to see you publish a lot of stuff on
1: yes they are um, so most of mine are self-published, so, so, so you know, um, I I am Long Face Games, and long, <laughs> long Face because you know, as I was, I thought I need a logo or something and a proper name, um, and um, one of my daughter's horses was looking at me at the time, and I thought, oh, you know that joke, oh, why the long face <laughs> came into my mind, and I, and I just yeah, did a sketch, yeah. and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. there you go, so so Laura's pony Domino is is, um, is immortalised. You know it's the logo um my earlier yeah. sets um so originally published by felix clay as felix enterprises back in the dim and distant past i'm sure well, i'm sure some people will, will remember you know um, felix enterprises from mm. years ago when i did fox 2 and um uh, and others um anyway so felix closed down um I think mm. when he when when the university he was at realized that he wasn't actually at the university anymore, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't let him use the university. <laughs> print. Um, but then ah, um, uh, A A game engineering um, picked them up after that. So my so my first four sets are published by A A, um, but again they're on War Games faults as well now.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, brilliant to see! Brilliant to see. Um, so we'll um, we'll. Move on and have a little bit of a discussion about um, some or get your thoughts on some bits of naval wargaming. Uh, I've written just some okay headings down. Yeah. Um, so hex movement versus open movement, yes, I've seen you use both. So, yes. what's your thinking on, on, on those?
1: So, the, the purist in me likes you know free movement, it, yeah, it is, it is the best way of doing it. Well, it's 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 the way of doing it which is closest to to reality. Obviously, yeah. you know, ships can go in more than six directions, but if I'm trying to get to that po- you know, that 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 sweet spot of you know the game that you can play in a short space of time, especially if you're playing it at a, at a you know at a show or a convention or something, hexes just make life easier to manage. So you lose a bit of fidelity in it. So my my, my, my very quick play set of American Civil War rules that I was using for that game. Yeah. thornbury um you know ships generally travel at two three or four hexes Th- there is a free movement version of it in fact it started off as a free movement version of the game you know and you've got much more you know finesse in the speeds that mm. ship can travel you know ships can travel you know this one goes four inches a turn that one goes seven that's 11 or something and 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 sometimes i look at that and think well that's really important uh, and other times i just think well actually the splitting it down into two three or four actually works um and and the convenience of, of of hexes as well you you do have to you know have you know some sort of mental contortion sometimes when you think about some firing arcs and things yeah
0: um
1: but but generally if you want a game that you can you can you can run a naval game you can that you can pick up and run very very quickly they're, they're just very useful
0: certainly with 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 open movement then do you like um like written orders before a turn—it's uh, something that we enjoy because we enjoy yeah. the fact that it, it takes away the "I go, you go" because you've already written down what you're going to do. Yeah, I,
1: I uh, like um, you know my my task groups and things to have orders. It doesn't necessarily need to be—I well, I find it doesn't necessarily need to be—you know—a set written down every turn. And so, you know, if you look at my um, first World War rules and, mm. and the second World War rules and some of the others you know, you'll, 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 and actually then the, the, the age of sail rules is another really good case. So you'll, you'll give orders to your squadrons yeah. and, uh, and they'll carry on following those orders until you tell them to do something else. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so if you've ordered them to head to the Northeast, they will sail to the Northeast until the Admiral successfully sends a signal to them that says, turn somewhere else. Um, cause that's what they did. You mm-hmm. know, no, 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 um, you know, junior Admiral in the Royal Navy was, was going to you know, steer somewhere else on their own initiative half the time because they thought that was the way to go until the admiral told them. You know, because they'd end up like Bing and get, be shot on the deck of their flagship. So, so I, I do. You know, I, I like having that that level of ordering.
2: Um,
1: mm. I mean there's you know some some games where you do need to you know give orders each each turn. Um, so you know, if I was doing a um, an Age of Sail frigate game. That's really quite important so you know a game like um uh sales of glory for example um you know with it with its card movement system you know that that that's a uh, just just a you know, a card based way of you know writing mm-hmm. orders but in in those with those rules, especially if you're doing a you know a frigate battle it's really important because you might be you know doing activities which take certain you know several turns to complete, so it's important when you start them you know things like reloading and um, you know, changing, you know, sales and that sort of thing. So, so yeah, uh, it, m- m- my m- my like of written orders will vary depending on what I'm playing. Yeah.
0: And uh, have you seen ever seen or played Check Your Six, the aerial game?
1: Uh, I've seen it, but I've not played it.
0: Yeah, I was just going, because they have a system where, depending on the speed, it gives you uh, an option to, hmm. you know, um, move, three hexes forward, two to the right, or whatever, depending on okay. what aircraft you are taking into yeah. account its uh, uh, capabilities. Uh, and that was something I thought might be a useful mechanic for naval. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I, I'll quite often include, you know, turning limits. Um, you know, so at, at a particular speed or particular maneuverability, you've got to move a certain number of hexes forward before you can you can turn. Yeah. So I, I, I do that in, in, in quite a few. And some of the air games that I've written as well.
0: yeah so next um next hot topic for naval war gamers um morale in war game in naval war gaming yeah always seems to be a bit of a second hand thought
1: yes (laughs) you're right and i i haven't included morale in all of the sets that i've got Mm. so for things like age of sale it that uh, it's an important factor. So things like strike tests, you know, for for, for ships when they're in particular situations. You, you know, you, you've been dismasted and you're about to be stern raked by you know, an enemy yeah. ship. You're probably going to strike your colours. Yeah, the flags so, yeah well, up. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> bit, being stern raked is never a good thing. Um, <laughs> not when any makes it even worse. So, so yeah, something like that is quite important. Uh, it's, I think, it's harder to get into into more modern um, scenarios. Uh, more, more modern games, but uh, and so i don't tend to include it in those but i get the i get the same effect or you can get the same effect if you don't play one-off games yeah you know, when you get into campaign gaming and you know the outcome from this battle directly affects happens in the next one and you suddenly find i'm sure you found the same thing you know that that. You know that 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 death or glory charge at the end of the game just doesn't happen because everybody's thinking, oh, I really need this battleship. We we did a, um, a yeah. one day Russian japanese War campaign um, a couple of Christmases ago, uh, and and the players were very much you know sort of death or glory. Uh, if for the first game, um, mm. you know, in a, in a very uncharacteristic Russo-Japanese War thing, there was this. It was it was like the Battle of Tsushima, but it happened like on turn one, um, and both sides just shot themselves to pieces. It's like, okay, well, you've got no hardly any ships left, but you've still got all these missions that you need to run because they you know, both sides had to ferry convoys and things around. And I thought, well, that, this will instil hmm. some common sense in them. But no, turn two, they just mobilised every other ship they could find, and then and fought another battle of Sufism. Such- <laughs> this time it was with with light cruisers and destroyers and torpedo boats and things. And the same thing happened. They end up with like the vast majority of their fleets in, um, in, you know, in in dry dock or being repaired. And it's like, well, what are you going to do now? Oh, <laughs> that wasn't really <laughs> sensible, was it? Yeah. So then we reran the campaign uh, a few months later, and. Everything suddenly became much more sensible, you know. And they yeah. didn't, you know, it, um, you know, do that death ride with the with the last the last battleship or shoot, trying to shoot off with every round. You know, they actually became much more realistic about how they use things. So there was that self imposed morale, yeah. That, um, yeah, that that came to the fore.
0: I think um, certainly I've been doing a lot of reading around Narvik and stuff recently, getting ready to to refight it, um, and a lot of the a lot of the decisions are based on, you know, the captain of the ship deciding this is going to be what we're going to do as opposed to the morale of the crew. Well,
1: yes, because in many cases, he was the only person that actually had a clue what was going on him and his his heads of department. Um, It's one of the things that has always interested me when you sort of go around, you know, museum ships and things uh, and you go and find, you know, where's the conning position? Where's the ship's wheel? Where's the wheelhouse, and and you go down there, and it, it's in a an enclosed space down in the ship with no view <laughs> out of the ship. And you say, well, why is that? And and you talk to you know like you know sort of like the real world sailors, the veterans who are mm. you know, giving you the tour, and they said, that, well, you, you don't want the helmsman seeing, you know where, Very... where 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 the captain wants the ship to go because he might <laughs> think it's dangerous and he he, he won't do it. Yeah. So you don't give him the view. You just tell him yeah. you know, go on their heading. You know, um, if, if there's, there's three enemy battleships over there, but but that's where we're going to go because that's what we've got to go. That's what we've got to do. You know, but the you know the, the poor old you know a, a, a able seaman Boggis or something. If he sees three <laughs> battleships in front of me, he's going over there. It's dangerous. So yes, it's very much more. And, and and you you still see this. You know, like I said, you know, going out on you know on on modern warships, you, you've got very little idea what's actually mm. happening yeah out there yeah you might hear a jet flying down the part, down the side of the ship or, or something you think, well that's pretty close that doesn't sound very good but yeah you don't it, really know it, what's is that
0: ours or theirs absolutely <laughs> yes well, nothing's gone
1: bang so if it was all of theirs he's missed that's a good yeah. thing
0: yeah. yeah exactly exactly oh that's good yeah it's uh, an interesting one now uh names on bases names on ship bases yeah is that controversial or
1: no? Not really. You you, you need to, you need to have some kind of identifying marks on on, on your models oh, to be able to good. tell. I, I I like to make them unobtrusive, yeah, if possible. Um, but I'm not averse to having you know a, a, a nice, you know, if I've got a nice blue sea base, but have have a, have a nice sort of white tail with a you know the relevant flag and, and, and the ship's name yeah. on it or something like that. It you can maybe get away with it we've been not having them if you're talking about really small actions where it's you know obvious that that's you know HMS java and that's obviously USS constitution because they're the only two ships on the table but if you've got a game with you know, 30 or 40 ships involved you need to know which yeah. ones which I'm
0: yeah I'm I'm very very much with you on this, David, I've I've had a number of arguments with people over the years. Oh, your ships are lovely, but you've got those names on it. Oh, I can't really yes. tell. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yes. Well, now, now, really thick bases. That like HMS tried. Hardy. F- oh God! Sorry, oh. I've,
1: I've no, I've, I've yes, no, I've, I've mentioned the unmentionable. They're not that oh, bad. Oh God! Who
0: They're thought that, that was? Who thought that was a good idea? I, th- I think it, it's a manufacturing. Yeah. So thing, if you can it? tell HMS Hardy from HMS Havoc yes. at a long distance, then you're doing yes. better than I can. One seven yeah, hundredth is okay yeah. now with my big ships because they've actually got pennant numbers on them. Right. Yes.
1: Yes. If you can and read you can, the can read numbers, the
0: pennant numbers right. from a decent distance. Yes. Yes. yes.
1: Or, or you can tell the you know the 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 differences in their 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 small arms fit or the the differences in the camouflage schemes. That's fine. But yes. Yep. Yeah.
0: You, 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 in most you've, cases. Got, you've got confidence in my modelling abilities, there, David. That I might not have absolute confidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, photo etch. Oh dear me! Ooh, that's oh, all well, I'm, I'm going to say. A good idea. For, yes. yeah. Uh, so yeah, names on bases. Names on hmm. bases. Oh, I'm loving this. This is this is naval wargaming 101. <laughs> I'm loving this. I'm loving this as well. <laughs> so um, another one that will set. Um, it's it's like setting a, a a badger down a rabbit hole. <laughs> ground scales, yeah, absolutely, oh, really difficult. Can, oh man!
1: So it's not so much of a problem, you know, for oldie worldie ships, yeah, know, galleys and stuff like that. And even Age of Sail, you can get pretty close to, you know, the real ground scale. But yeah, when you when you get to you know weapons that can shoot ten miles having having you know a ground scale that is compatible with the models is this, this is not going to happen yeah. um uh, having said that i did do that once so <laughs> we did um battle of the river plate with 1 600th models
0: oh nice
1: using 1 600th ground scale in a field um, <laughs> actually no it was a lawn it was a lawn at the um one of the museums that we, we, were, yeah. we were fighting at um but yeah i mean that was really challenging because you know we, you, you I, I didn't have enough tape measures that were like 25 meters long. Um, and sometimes, you know, the ships disappeared in the grass. Yeah. If the grass is a bit long, but hey, it's just a bit of fog, isn't it? Or a bit of mist. Yeah, exactly. It was, that was a really interesting game to, to run and have people, you know, stand by, you know, a model of HMS Exeter or something and go, well, so, so where is the grass, Spades? It's over there. You know, <laughs> Oh yeah! Gosh, that's a really long way away, isn't it? And you go, yes, exactly. We in the end we had to have um, you know it, um, flags for the ships on knitting needles that we stuck in the grass so alongside them, so you could, see them, the, so uh, you could actually I see where it? they were. Yes, wow! You know. And that was that was game was going fine until it rained, and then that was like end of play at that point. So a bit of a shame. But it was. yeah.
0: But it was, I think I, th- I think I think doing that you learn a lot about the naval warfare in that time. You're playing to the ground scale, yes. There's there's definitely a a learning curve involved in that for when you then do reduce your ground scale down onto a table, yeah. um, About the distances involved, and and there you know, when we're not talking about the longest ranges possible, there with you know, you've got grass bay with a decent range, but um, we're not talking 15 inch battleships, are we? No,
1: No, exactly. You know, you you could easily have doubled doubled the size.
0: Yeah, and uh,
1: I find you know pe- people find it really difficult to visualize, you know, and say, oh, we engage the target at twenty thousand yards. And they go, well, that's twenty thousand yards, isn't it? That's not that's not that's ten miles. <laughs> that's, you know, yes. that's like I, I, I'm 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 shooting from from here where I am, you know, in, in my house at the moment, down to somewhere past the Seven Bridges. You know, and like you you can't see those. Where the hell are those? Well, exactly. That's the whole point. And and you know, and the, the thing I'm shooting at is doing thirty miles an hour. in in the opposite direction to what you're doing so good luck hitting that
0: i think if anybody is not sure uh and you're driving down the motorway um just if obviously you know if you've got family in the car they might think you're losing your marbles a little bit but you can just go bang press your reset on your tripometer and then see how long it takes to get to 10 miles yeah absolutely Uh, and that's how far your shells are going
1: it's, it's the thing that always amuses me when I go on board HMS Belfast because we take the students down there every year. Mm. You go on Belfast and there's there's a thing in the in the gunner exhibit that explains that the the forward turrets are you know traversed and, and elevated because you know that that that's that's the guns you know focused on, or targeted on uh, a motorway service station that's on the M25 somewhere <laughs> you know, to give you an idea about how far they they could shoot and it's a hell yeah. of a long way. Yeah,
0: it is. Massive, massive and, and then you get
1: and then you play modern games you know and now i've i've got this missile that can go you know 90 miles uh or, or this new one oh, i've got uh, you know we, we we're doing a, a you know, an ultra modern game with um chinese you know hypersonic anti-ship ballistic missiles you know and the range of those at like uh, 1500 miles it's quite difficult Jesus. to fit on a table
0: yeah <laughs> so hmm. It does become an issue, but I think as you, as you then, um, compact the ground scale, you can get to a point where, um, maneuvering becomes more exaggerated.
1: Yes. And in some cases gets a little bit more ridiculous. Yeah. You know, when you, when you, you end up with, you know, a a combination of model scale and ground scale where, um, shoot you, you can't shoot from one end of end, one end of a destroyer to the other because because the, the weapon on the stern is out of range <laughs> um, which i i have played a game where exactly oh, that kind of thing happens wow and you're going this is this is just very very strange i won't say ridiculous but it was
0: mm, yeah I, I think there's a there's a sweet spot for everybody where you you know people have different sizes of table available people will be using different scales of model um and it either looks right to you or it doesn't. I think is probably the best way of describing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think at the end of the day, the other important thing is I you know I are you happy with it? Are you having fun? Yeah. You know uh, I, I know naval war gaming has a bit of a reputation for being you know like like grognard control. You know rivet counters a go go. Um and and yeah I mean there are some naval war gamers who are exactly like that. You know, um, and I probably used to be one of them. I'd get really, really wound up about stuff that was a bit strange. I suppose I've probably mellowed in in the last five or ten years or so. And you know, whilst I'll, I can look at something and go, well, "That's well, that's uh, that's not for me. I don't like that. I think that's I think that mm. was weird." But then, are the people who are playing it having fun? Are they enjoying themselves? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then hey, that's that's exactly the right game kind of the right kind of game for them isn't it
2: yeah
0: exactly and, and you know i've had a lot of comments with my 1700 stuff you know where are you going to play that if you go and we just happen <laughs> oh, we, oh, yes. we just we just happen to have uh an old cinema that my club uh, that my club owns wow. which is huge okay so um i can i i'm going to be limited by uh blue cloth space right rather than table space yes um so i i think i can get it to a size where to me it looks so okay. it, it doesn't look daft yeah i think that's yeah. uh, but that again that's in my mind's eye and that's yes. what i, I yes. want to do with it and i also i also want to try and keep the models so that there is a level of visual to it as well rather than them being so far apart that you can't see two you know in, in one photo frame
1: Yes, I mean the the experience we had doing um, doing the game on Belfast was that yeah you can you can you can do that. You know we, we didn't we, we weren't close to you know um, you know same ground scale as, as ship scale. In fact, I can't remember what scale we did use. Um, but but you know the, the models were sufficiently far away that you you got a good sense of the actual distances yeah. involved. You could be you, you you could you know do sensible tactics and things and manoeuvring um but it, it was all, all contained in you know quite a large space but a large space where you could you know stand at the side and, and see everything that was happening
0: brilliant absolutely brilliant um and um there's a few of well we could talk forever about loads of stuff but i'm going to uh, uh talk about campaigns we did mention this earlier on yeah we did yes. um and um there are there are loads of different way of fighting campaigns and um sometimes naval campaigns can really grind down uh, when i remember doing one years and years ago where we were setting individual float planes off on search courses uh, and mm-hmm. we managed about two turns um before everyone completely forgot where the float planes had gone <laughs> and what they were looking for and uh, etc um and then the i've moved on as i said earlier to this linked scenario yeah method of doing campaigns so what what's your experience with naval campaigning
1: so i i've tried both of those and and, and, I, and I like both both approaches um obviously the yeah, the, the 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 linked the link game gives you much more control over what's going to happen um, but I like the unpredictability of you know the, those kind of free movement games, and some of the some of the biggest and best naval games I've done have been you know just just like that you know some yeah. naval war game society games that we did with like like thirty odd players or so because they were just so nerve wracking. <laughs> you know there was there was this one game we did so I think it was Battle of the Coral Sea so a game that, I can't remember who was running it but um, uh, me and my friend Nigel Nigel Cox um were playing the japanese air, air carrier battle group so we're something about about 30 odd players and about you know 10 12 commands on each side but but the the only commands that were really important were, were our our carrier group and the corresponding american group and knowing that you know whichever group found the other one first and got that strike in first you know if you could kill their carriers you've won the game yeah, you know, and you've done it for everybody in the room. Uh, and conversely, if you lose, you know, you you're like Jellicoe. you know, you you can lose the game in in an afternoon, literally lose the war in an afternoon. So so playing playing that game, it was absolutely terrifying.
0: Where the <laughs> hell are that? Yeah,
1: you know, and elation when when the umpire comes in and says, "Hey, you've just spotted uh, two flat tops and a battleship." Like, yes, oh, kill them. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, Hope you've just been overflown by a dauntless. Like, oh my God, they know where we are as well. Yeah, you know, and and the two air wings crossing in flight as they went to to hit each other, and and us pummeling their carriers and blowing them to oblivion, and my my fights my aircraft getting back and discovering both my aircraft carriers were there and we'd done oh, it. Oh,
0: brilliant! But I say,
1: nerve no wracking, or what? And and then you know, similar kind of thing in a Falklands game that I ran. You know, the big big biggest the biggest game I've personally run, thirty six players. You know, doing Falklands nineteen eighty two game. But yeah, you don't know where the bad guys are. You've got to go and find them.
0: Mm. Fascinating. Yeah, no, it does. It. I think um, with with those sorts of games, I think it's, it's. I think it's easier to do now than it was, maybe in the mid eighties, nineties when we were trying it, because you've got computers to help you with record keeping, yes. and yeah. search patterns, and all those kind of things that would take in vast amounts of time. Yeah, uh, an an to do yeah. Um, that. That back that in, Falklands the game,
1: the, the Falklands one, I I I was fortunate in having an umpiring team. So there was me and then I had a runner for for the for, for the British and a runner for the Argentinians. Um and even even doing it with that, and then they did an absolute fantastic job and all the cock-ups were, were mine and mine alone. And and sometime it was a one-day campaign, sometime <laughs> around about lunchtime. Um, I was just sitting there, and go. I've got no idea what's going on. I've lost the plot. And so I said to them, "Look, can you just like try and stall people, you know, whilst I whilst I figure it out." And unfortunately, it was lunchtime, so a lot of people had lunch and that. And I managed to put the whole thing back together again. So about half an hour later, yes, right, we're back in the game, and let's carry on. And nobody noticed. That was the really nice thing. They did such a good job <laughs> um, that nobody realised that, <laughs> that the whole game had just collapsed for half an hour or so.
2: <laughs>
0: oh absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant um so we'll move on now and talk a little bit about uh wider naval wargaming and um you've mentioned a few times uh, the naval war game society um yeah. it's something i'm kind of familiar with through the website more than actual interaction with so um if you don't mind just tell us a little bit about the naval war game society and S-
1: so it's it's not, it's not good news actually. Um, because the Naval Wargame Society is effectively closed down. Um, we talked about you know naval wargaming being a bit of a niche. And yeah. um, I mean when I got involved in it, in fact it was it was it was through Phil Dunn. So Phil Dunn was one of the original founders of the of the Naval War Game Society back in nineteen sixty-six, which is coincidentally the same year I was born. Um, <laughs> uh, and so Naval Wargame Society was it's fine. Ran, you know, pretty much, like, you know, lots, mm. lots of games in you know South London, Dorking, and places like that, and just kind of got smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, and then sometime around the early nineties, Phil Dunn wrote an article that he put in. I think it was Miniature War Games that said, "Hey, I want to run Jutland, but Jutland set in 1914." Um, ran this game at, um, at Mortimer, just outside Reading, so Stuart Barnes Watson. Organised, and out of that formed the Battleship Club, which was naval War Gaming, The Naval War Games Society, just with a different name. Uh, anyway, then fast forward a few years, and the Battleship Club and the Naval War Games Society as was merged to the, be the new Naval War Games Society.
2: Uh,
1: and at one point, we had about 150, 200 members. Um, you know, we were publishing our you know, journal every every three months, and you know, lots of interest, and was doing really well. And then sometime around about the end of the 90s just everything just tailed off and i i'm guessing some of it you, you we, we the people that were writing articles you know ran out of steam and didn't want to write articles anymore and no new people were coming in to do them and and i guess some of it was to do with you know sort of the rise of the internet and then social media that the the role that the society filled you know of, you know being a coming together spot for you know naval war so is kind of being covered by other things you know, like, like you know, all the, all the um, naval Facebook groups do exactly what Naval War Society did, and do them much better. So, so yes, with with dwindling numbers, and you know, we ended up down in I can't remember what the what the what the final number was, but it wasn't a, a large number of uh, members. So we we took the um, you know the sad but probably inevitable decision you know, to you know shut down the NWS um, a couple of years ago, or was it last year? You know, and then sort of, Distribute the funds, you know, remaining money in the bank account to you know sort of naval charities and things. Um, and now we kind of you know carry on in spirit, you know through through the you know um, I mean there is a naval war games society Facebook page, you know which which is still there, and, but through the through the various Facebook groups and other sort of social media things.
0: Yeah, because I I've so I certainly used the, um, the 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 web page because that had um, two or three. So um, two or three campaigns on there, if I remember correctly. It um it did. the yes. South yeah. China Sea campaign, for World War Two, and mm-hmm. um, very, very much enjoyed it. And it was a great location and sort of central location for yes. uh, historical war gamers uh, yeah. who are interested in naval. Is that still up? Did you say that? Website? So
1: no, the, the the website's closed down, but it, it was archived. Yeah. So Bob Blanchett in Australia has archived it uh um, ah, Yeah, and i think you can still find it through wayback machine and stuff like that but we uh, you know, i've i've got thoughts about you know how can we we get that onto you know things like the facebook group and stuff like that and the trouble with facebook is it's it's not the best place to stick information yeah. you want you want to keep keep available you can just put stuff in the files areas but there's no there's no ability to sort things or anything like that it's all a bit bit of a you know a bin that you just throw throw stuff into it and hope you can find it later
0: yeah it's, it's kind of the, the it's at the top for a, a couple of days and then it disappears and then you can't find it again yes there's yes, loads absolutely. of times i think i've thought oh and there'll be a ship i'm painting and uh, there'll be a color scheme and i'll see a photograph of it on one of the world war ii warships and i'll go right I'll, and if i don't save it there and then I'm buggered because it, I can't, yeah. it take me a week to find it that, again. That,
1: that is one thing I've learned to do, you know, uh, over the last year or so is, is, you know, see something you're interested in, download it straight away.
2: Yeah. Download about,
1: it, to save it. And then it ends up in my dustbin <laughs> on my hard drive rather than on the Facebook <laughs> dustbin.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Um, and there's a couple of events to talk about as well. Um, so there's, uh, there's, there's the... And I think these are—I think I'm right—in that these are two separate things. There's the event at Yeovilton at the yes. Fleet Air Arm Museum. Yes, and that's separate to the International Naval War Games Day. It is, yes. Yeah. So,
1: so taking those in reverse order. So, yeah. Um, International Naval War Games Day. I I I just kicked that off years ago. <laughs>
0: he did. I remember.
1: Um. With a number of people mostly on the other side of the Atlantic going, Oh, what right have you got to establish this? Well, I thought of it and I set it up. So that's what it is. It's yeah, like, Shut up. Yeah. She's yeah, my exactly. But, I, but I, I, I can't remember what it was, but there was some, um, you know, some, there, there's some other kind of, you know, sort of war gaming international days of, and I thought, well, what, why don't we have one? We should have one.
0: Yeah. I seem to remember there was a discussion on Facebook or one of the groups or something around oh. the time, yeah. And you said, right, let's have an international yeah. Naval war games Day. So Boom. I did, and
1: we've got one. And, oh, Excellent. Yeah. And um, no, it's fun. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's not overly formal. It's not formal at all. It's just, you know, th- this is the day. It's on this day. Play a game and, you know, and put a report on, you know, Facebook or the miniatures page or your, your favorite, you know, wargaming forum and just tell people what you've done, um, you know, and just raise that profile a bit. And, and if nothing else, it's good issues for a game.
0: Yeah. And it was on the 6th of August this year, if I remember correctly. Yes, it was, which fortunately
1: was the same day that I did my Trent's Reach game. So, I, I Forward, planning. Did, Forward planning. Yeah. So once every six years, that'll be the case. So, <laughs> like that.
0: Um, and is it same day every year or do you announce So, it? so the
1: actual day is, is always the 6th. It's always August yeah. 6th. Um, but... But what I say, you know, in the, in the in the stuff that goes out, when I remember, because you know, i <laughs> very, very little brain, when it comes to that, yeah. you know, is, um, hey, you know, if you're busy on the sixth, do, do it sometime in the week before or the week afterwards, or, you know, it doesn't even have to be a game. It could be, you know, a model that you've finished or just something mm-hmm. to do with naval wargaming. You know, just yeah. just do it and tell people about it.
0: Excellent. Yeah, it's a fantastic way of bringing the community together. A really good idea. Really That's good idea. Interesting stuff. And then Yovilton.
1: Yes, Yovilton. So... Back in the dim and distant past, the Naval Wargame Society used to have a show, which uh, was of varying degrees of success, uh, and eventually like died off in the mid '90s. But we always kind of missed that. I just thought, you know, it, it, again, you know, we 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 didn't have that opportunity for naval Wargamers to get together. And I'm trying to remember when it was that we that we kicked off the thing in its in its current form. Um, but we were lucky to have. Um, Nick Hewitt at the National Museum of the Royal Navy, and uh, Mark Ferentz, uh, also with the museum, um, who were running, amongst other things, the Explosion Museum at Gosport. Uh, so the, the Museum of Naval Firepower, to give it its, its yes. formal name, which is a fantastic museum. Now they've got the um, Coastal Forces Museum there as well, so it's an even better reason to visit. But they were interested. You know, Nick was a, an NWS member, still is, uh, and said, well, why don't, why don't we just do it there? you know, run some kind of event there. So we ran, uh, it's, all, it's, it's a, it's a one-day event, and the important thing about it is it's a gaming weekend. It's not a show. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if traders wanted to come and set up a stand, that was fine, but, you know, it's not a trade show. You don't expect, you know, millions of people through the door. Um, but also, we won't charge you for a table, you know, because right. we, we, we just, like, we were lucky at the time we got the, initially we got the um the the, the venue for free uh, and in more recent years we we get charged for it so we have a you know a small fee for attending but it's not great uh it's not it's not expensive uh, and it, it i say it's just a, an, an opportunity for naval gamers to come along um bring a game um you know bring your game play you know run your game for other people or just turn up and play everybody else's games mm. um so it's not a it's not an enormous event you know it's a you know the, the numbers aren't are great, but you know it's it's all you know real dedicated naval war gamers coming along mm. with some really interesting games to play.
0: And is that set up now in the not the grounds, but within within the museum amongst the exhibits?
1: Uh it's actually in their kind of conference area. Okay. Um. So it's not it's not in amongst the it's not it's not like Bovington, so you, you, mm. you don't set up in amongst because they. I think they'd have a little bit of a head fit if you're <laughs> trying to do that although one of the nice things about it is that if you if you come to um you, you've come to the naval War games day at Yeovilton, then you get you get um the the, the you, you've obviously you know i said you you, you pay a bit for the to, to take part but then you get free admission to the museum yeah um so um so yeah a lot of people turn up and they'll, they'll spend you know like like a morning or an afternoon you know, going for a wander around around the museum, and um, and and some years I've tried to do games there which tie in with things in the museum as well. So one of the um, one of the things that I like doing, I mentioned, you know, I play Wings of Glory, um, and my, my 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 unusual little little thing about playing Wings of Glory is I play a lot of Wings of Glory with seaplanes,
2: right? <laughs> um,
1: and and hey, there's a lot of seaplanes in the um, in the in the museum um so we'll do a game that involves some of the aircraft that are in there and then you you know once you've played you can go and you know find you know what's left of the short 184 that was a Jutland or the Sopwith baby or whatever
0: yeah i think um years ago we did a um was it the Snyder trophy i can't remember what, it, what the, yes. the 1930s were yes. and we all had we all bought, bought planes from that and then painted them up in formula one colors excellent um and, and did sort of a <laughs> <laughs> a series of games on, on that yeah. i've still got it somewhere I, yeah. i'll have to dig it out I've painted it's in the old williams formula one course.
1: fantastic so it's funny you should mention that so another one of my wings of glory things is i've done an mm. air racing variant ah brilliant. i call it i call it race of glory um so there's no shooting it's just <laughs> racing around pylons it's kind of you know american style pylon racing yeah um and but you you know, the kind of peril which is in that game comes from, you know, trying to get in someone else's slipstream and get an advantage, or maybe you're, you're caught in the turbulence and all this kind of stuff. Mm. So there's, there's things happen, um, and I, so I'm running that at the, this thing in Doncaster in a few weeks' time. And and the two new airplanes that I've I've painted up for this year are a couple of um, Schneider Trophy um, Supermarine S sixes. You know, oh, so um, so yes, they'll be fantastic. making an appearance at, a, at an air museum
0: near Doncaster very soon. Excellent. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. Um, we've been totting on for over an hour now on naval wargaming, which is which is great. Yes. But there's one thing I want to talk about before we close off, okay. um, um, and that's um, ship models themselves. Hmm. Um, now you've you've mentioned earlier on your 3D printer, yep. um, so you design and print your own models, don't you? So um, I do. How did that How did that start? Ah so <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so 3D printing, I just got into it because everybody seemed to be doing 3D printing. And it was a lot of fun. And um, that was fine, and I, you know I was like buying files or downloading. There's a lot of free files that you, you can get on the internet. Um, what got me into doing the, the, the ship models I've been doing recently though was hmm. um, so doing an American Civil War game uh and i needed um some stone wheel transports you know because they're pretty common commonplace um really difficult to get models of them uh, and the ones that you can get are really expensive relatively expensive
2: mm.
1: so i thought you know i'll just design one so i, I made a 3d model of one and, and it came out quite nicely and having done that i thought oh actually there's this gumbo that i, I, I liked. <laughs> uh, and the next thing i knew i've done lots so um so yeah it's kind of spiraled from from there um, and a lot of them are unusual ships that i would quite like to have in a game but you can't get models of and you know um, certainly not in well not in 600s no nobody's doing them and you know, spithead you know do do some some lovely models in 1200s mm. um, but the way that he that he does them you know, they're very short lived you know, you know um, modeling runs, you know, so if you don't get them at the time, um, you know, you, you probably won't get a chance to get them in the future. So, uh, and they were 1200ths, which I do American Civil War gaming in 1200ths. I do way too many periods in the same, you know, in multiple <laughs> scales. But for 600ths, no, they're not available. So I, it just kind of spiraled from there.
0: Had you had you done any three D design work before? Was it a whole new thing, or had you done a bit of three D design?
1: Uh, I'd done a bit, um, mm. you know, through you know, sort of the noble architecture course and stuff like that. You, yeah, you know, building models of ships and things like that. Um, build, building them to actually, you know, print out and um, and, and and use. Yeah, it's it's um, it's actually it's, it's a relatively steep learning curve. Not. Yeah. Not just mm-hmm. in the, you know, getting to grips with the software package. Um, and I, I'm just I'm just starting to learn to use a new package. And the starter book, you know, I went on Amazon, you know, like what's the <laughs> equivalent of like, you know, Fusion 360 for dummies. Uh, and well, that's, that's, that book is, it's, it's, it's like two inches oh, thick. Oh my word. <laughs> um, it'd be great when, I, when I've read it and when I've done it. And I can I'll be able to do all sorts of things that I can't do at the moment. Just learning how to model particular details and things, you know, and um, you, you sit, if, if you've only got a relatively simple package, software package, you have to think of some pretty innovative ways of making certain things or seeing how different solids will combine to give you, or, or subtract, you know, there's so a lot of things Well, if I, if I take this 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 sphere and stretch it and do this and do that and then chop it or well, that looks a bit like this bit and then i can subtract that from something else and then suddenly oh look, look, now i've got the casemate for this ironclad and it works really well that's quite quite a steep curve but also i found really interesting you know, just giving you that the need to sit down there and look at things in a different light
0: and because you're working on the more obscure end of things has it been easy to find references to (laughs) to work from to get these things looking like (laughs) i thought you were going to say that
1: not at all um in many cases all you've got is a pretty rough description you know you might have some dimensions um sometimes you don't um you can hunt down you know all of those lovely um you know, sketches and illustrations and things that are in like Harper's Weekly and, you know, the mm. sort of local newspapers and things and national newspapers during the Civil War period. And you find three pictures of a ship and you think they're three completely different ships. <laughs> and inevitably, you'll find the really good picture of the ship that you absolutely should have had when you started mm. making the model, but after you finish doing it. And i've had one oh, or two yeah. where i finished it and, and then somebody said hey i've actually found another picture of it and you go oh that ship's completely different you know oh. but actually that's a much, uh, that's a more reliable
2: yeah one
1: maybe um so so yes it's it's very 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 difficult some of them it's easy yeah. you know if you're doing yeah. i've done um you know some, some royal navy ships and you can just like go on the internet and find Sketches, or you can go to Greenwich and see drawings, or well, there's plenty in, in books and things that you can you can find those without too many problems. And but yeah, if you want to do you know USS Hackensack as she was in 1863 <laughs> on the Swanee River or something, and it's like I've got no idea what that looks like. So uh, so a lot of it you know has to be educated guesses.
0: Yeah. Oh well, that's a it's a it's a fantastic journey to, to to go down, and like you say, the 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 enjoyment in the research because um, you're digging around to find stuff is part of the enjoyment as well.
1: Yes, and it's one of these things where you you start digging on a particular ship, mm. and then you know you you will suddenly find oh it was involved in this action you know against Fort blah 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 or something with. The uss so-and-so oh, well, i haven't heard of that one and then you end up uh-huh. you know you get this kind of domino effect you know and um yes i was I was doing some 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 modeling the other day for some uh you know a, a couple of a couple of steamers around new orleans and then suddenly it was like oh but um yeah here's the all these other ships that were on the lake contra train flotilla and and these other ships that were stationed in the area as well and suddenly it's like oh that's 10 new models to do isn't it so yeah it gets a bit uh, a bit obsessive a bit out of control, sometimes.
0: Not long, not long with a bit of obsession for a naval war <laughs> gamer. Trust me. Um, how do you see it affecting the established companies? Three D printing. So
1: that's an interesting question, and I so so I do coastal forces models as well, and I was doing I was doing quite a few. MTBs and gunboats and thing. And what I was doing there was, um, you can go on Thingiverse and you can download existing models and then you can modify yeah. them. So I was doing some of these things. And, you know, you, then you you put them back up on on Thingiverse, whatever is your remixed version. You know, in accordance with whatever the you know the the rights are and stuff like that. And I thought that was fine. And I'd, I'd done a few of those. And um, I put something on on Facebook about one of these models I'd done, and I get you know if you people going, "Oh, that's really nice." Um, and then there was a post from um, David Gregory, who runs PT Dockyard. He's one of my my friends out in um, in, in the US, and he does a, a really nice range of resin um, models. Um, and he just said, "This kind of thing will kill my business." Um, and mm. I thought, "Shit, I don't want to do that." So I don't post those anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll still create them for myself, but I won't. I won't make them available to anybody, you know, because I don't want to harm what he's yeah. doing. Um, but I, I can see, you know, in my my own you know, land war gaming in particular. I mean, for American Civil War, most of these the ships that I'm doing are ones that you can't get anymore, or if you could, they're out of print now. But as I mentioned this guy earlier, Mike Bergman. You know, he's he's like the hero of three D printing. For, for for vehicle land war gamers. Um because he's got collections of hundreds of vehicles and all sorts of different variants and things as well. And a few months ago I whilst I was working on my Russian and German Winter War collections, I thought, you know, I really ought mm-hmm. to have a Finnish army as well, shouldn't I? Um <laughs> and so I worked out what vehicles I wanted and all this kind of stuff. And then worked out if I buy that a lot as white you know, white metal and stuff, that'll be I don't know, 300 quid, something like that, or or more. And then I thought, I wonder if Mike Bergman's done models of these. Everything I wanted, he'd done. So I downloaded the models for free and then printed them out. So about 40-odd tanks and self-propelled guns and this, that, and everything else. And I used half a bottle of resin uh, to print those out. And the bottle of resin at the time was £30. So that's £15 to print all these vehicles out. I was looking at things and thinking what, what I don't actually need to buy any white metal 15 mil vehicles because anything I can think of that I would like with one or two exceptions there's always going to be exceptions but pretty much anything that I want to use I can I can find and I can do it for next to nothing so I, I think I, I think it will affect mm. companies not maybe not so much at the moment because it's still you know pretty much of a rarity. In, in, in my 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 group of wargaming friends around here, um, there's only me and one other guy who've got a three D printer. Mm. But yeah, as I it becomes as it becomes easier to do and easier to set up, and you know, because it is it is a bit messy, and you know, you've got chemicals and things burbling around to make a bit of a mess and stuff. Um, you know, but as that becomes easier, I, I can see it becoming much more widespread.
0: Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and I think um, looking at certainly from a naval, I think from a naval point of view and a vehicle point of view, that seems to be the area where it's coming through the strongest. Yes, absolutely. You're dealing dealing with, you know, angles and rather than faces and stuff like that. Um, And um, I've seen a lot of really good high quality naval stuff. Whereas, you know, we're still, we've got the DAVCO and the Skytrex, which are, I'm guessing the 70s, if not 60s, some of those original um, masters for them. Yes, yeah, Um, definitely 70s. Yeah, so it's certainly bringing the hobby on in in some areas. Um, And have, have they made the money from DAFCO models? I would suggest they probably have by now. They've paid for the molds. I think so. Yes, I've, <laughs> I've certainly got enough of them.
1: I mean, my 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 war, my World War Two, World War One, and I, um, you know, pre dreads They're all in you know, a heroic, not heroics, They're all um, nav war and, and Skytrax models. Although, having said that, you know, I I, I wanted some colliers to go with my ironclad. Uh, my sorry, my pre um squadrons. You know, just as you know, targets for campaign games. Yeah. and um lo and behold you go on thingiverse you can find a model of an american collier um that you can't get a white model white metal model of so uh, so yeah i've got four colliers now it's, it's just,
0: oh, it just makes it too easy excellent. well it's yeah it, it does mate it does well it's been fan- fantastic chatting with you today um thank you very much for coming on and and taking the time to do the show um I, hopefully we've um, perked a few people's interest in naval wargaming um Before you go, uh, you have an opportunity to ask me a question at the end of the show. If you've got one, if you haven't, I'll go away, Scott. For
1: I, I have a question. Uh, my question is: oh. um, When will we see your Narvik game hit the streets? The whole world Ooh, wonders. Oh,
0: good, good question. I think it's probably going to be about a year. I would think. Okay. Um, I've got a twenty-eight mil. Italian Risorgimento game the Battle of Mentana right. that is the next one out and um, that is nearly finished and I'm working on the terrain at the moment um and then the Narvik one I'm looking for about a year's time okay um because I've um it's not an easy job putting you know normally you just get your, your Skytrek ship and you stick it on a base yes do a bit yeah, of sea yeah. paint it so it's not easy one seven hundredth you've got to it, it, it's build not. the model and, and,
1: and I'm guessing you haven't even started on modelling the fjords yet.
0: No. 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 That will be I'm gonna um I'm gonna cheat a little bit. Um going back to 3D printing, a friend of oh. mine's printed me a load of buildings in one seven hundred scale. Okay. To do Narvik Town. Um and we you know he said, oh yeah, I can do the railway, I can do the Iron ore terminal. I can do all that. So Excellent. that's um, it's just a case of building the kind of the edges of the fjords to make it's, it look like yeah. Narvik rather than just the massive blue cloth. Indeed. <laughs> Excellent. Well,
1: we can't wait. Really looking forward to seeing how it turns out.
0: Excellent. And I'll certainly try and bring it down to Yoel Bolton if um, if uh, if I can. Yeah, I need to expand my wargaming horizons. Awesome. <laughs> well thanks thanks again david if you just like to say good night to everyone yeah
1: uh good night everybody uh thanks uh it's been a really a really interesting afternoon and uh yeah thanks for asking me on so uh,
0: no worries david thank you very much good night everyone good night. there we go another interview done I hope you very much enjoyed my chat with David I certainly did um I'm a big fan big proponent of naval wargaming and uh, David is so knowledgeable and uh, so enthusiastic about the period that um, he was the ideal guest to have on so hopefully that's perked your interest in uh, a niche area of a niche hobby if you weren't already into it and uh, thank you once again David for spending your time time uh putting this together with me now the next episode will definitely not be a month away um it's already recorded i have spoken to um pro art and uh, i've been down to the factory and uh, spoken to peter thompson the proprietor of that company and uh, we had a great chat down there get getting all geeky about paintbrushes and the different types and the history of pro art as a company. And um, really, really interesting chat, and I learned loads uh, from Peter. So uh, I'm going to release that in 10 days' time, just to give you enough time to uh, enjoy and digest this episode with David. And uh, the next one will be out in 10 days' time. So until then, enjoy your wargaming, enjoy your painting, and until next time. So they